Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to an annual bonus episode of Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to discuss San Diego Comic-Con 2019 are... Sir Patrick. And James Hunt. It's our annual bonus episode, guys, because uh, Comic-Con has too much to discuss in another episode. It's the nerd prom. (laughs) It is. Is this the fourth time we've done this? Fifth? Did we do it in in 2015? I don't know. I can't even remember the last episode we recorded, guys, (laughs) let alone five years ago. (laughs) No, do you know what? We did, because do you know what was announced? I've just remembered. Do you know what was announced at SDCC the first year we did the podcast? Twenty. Oh, no, it wasn't SDCC. No, because it was February. I was thinking it was the Spider Man, the Spider Man MCU news, but that was in February. Oh no, oh, yeah, we, we did, we did, we, we did something special on that, didn't we? Yeah, but we did do an SDCC episode in July 2015. So this is our fifth one. Oh, do you know what? Do you know why I remember us doing that? Because that was the day that I was moving out of my London flat and I recorded it sat on a box in the middle of an empty room. <laughs> <laughs> so glamorous. Yeah. A little insight into how the sausage yeah. is made there. Or how the sausage <laughs> was made four years ago. <laughs> um, changes to the annual San Diego Comic-Con episode. Um, normally this is a chance for us to talk about the new movies coming from Sony, Fox, Warner Brothers, <laughs> Marvel. Um it's just Marvel now, you guys. <laughs> Warner Brothers <laughs> sat it out. Sony sat it out. Fox are Marvel now. Um, and even the TV stuff is Marvel now. <laughs> and like actual Marvel rather than what they've been pretending is Marvel television for the past five years. Um, so this is mostly going to be an MCU podcast. So if you're here to find our thoughts on whether they're going to release the Snyder Cut or not, you can probably check out now. Um, but there will be some other stuff, like a roundup of the other non-Marvel bits at the end. Um, I'm going to be crowbarring as much Star Trek as possible. <laughs> you were it's very going to be excited. difficult, but... <laughs> very excited by the Picard trailer, weren't you? Yes, because Seven of Nine's in it. Whereas I was excited by Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Seb, not, what was the... I'm not having that argument again. <laughs> <laughs> Seb, what was the, the non-comic book thing from, uh, from Comic-Con that you... That, that, that pushed your buttons uh it's one i think we are going to discuss because it is kind of a comic book movie but jane silent bob reboot <laughs> but that was that was that was from that same tranche of kind of pre everything kicking off uh trailers that we got yeah and by pre everything kicking off you mean the entire 
con until Saturday night when they did the Marvel banner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another peep behind the curtain for the listeners. Um, I, I was uh, I was at a late screening of Midsummer last night and got home and didn't realise that the Marvel panel was happening then. Uh, and so I was kind of up at like one thirty when James and Seb started messaging on our little WhatsApp thread. Like, oh, the Marvel thing's coming up. And I was like... Now I can't go to sleep. So cut to t- <laughs> two hours later when I'm when Mahershala Ali's standing on the stage, and I'm like, was it worth it? Probably. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't stay up. I, I was awake when it started, but that was coincidental. And I realised that if I didn't uh, go to sleep there and then at 1.30, uh, if I stayed up for the whole thing, I would have to be waking up about two hours later with my child. So I went and got <laughs> four hours sleep. <laughs> So let's let's dig into the Marvel Comic Con panel. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten projects announced. Um, I think five TV and five movies. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, yeah. Over the next two years. Yes. Um, no, over the next three years. Three 20, years. Twenty twenty, Oh no. No, there's no 2022. No, you were right the first time, James. Okay. Um, so I think it's important to, uh, to, for context for anyone kicking off, this was Marvel announcing what they're ready to announce of the Phase 4 slate right now. This is not what they did when they, you know, held that big event and announced all of Phase 3 in one go, um, because we know that there's more coming in Phase 4 after this in yeah our, this I, is I, this is only part of phase four i would call it this phase 4a <laughs> <laughs> um and phase 4b we'll get to later on because kevin feige kind of dropped hints about what those movies were going to be but this is this is what to expect over the next two years sans i would probably suggest another spider-man movie in 2021 given that sony likes to release those every two years thick and, and fast yeah, and um, Marvel probably weren't in a place to... Well, Sony weren't in a place to announce it, so it gets left off of this. I mean, there's every chance it could be a 2022 movie if they want to slow it down slightly, but I doubt it, so... <laughs> Sony uh, has shareholders too, right? Yes. <laughs> so probably penciled that into this slate as well. But yeah, so this is this is Phase 4A, uh, and it kicks off on May the 1st, 2020, with a Black Widow movie that is shooting right now. Um, we've known this was happening for a while, but it's been confirmed. Directed by Kate Shortland. Um, Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson wrote the script. Uh, it will be starring uh, Scarlett Johansson, obviously, um, as Natasha Romanoff, uh, David Harbour, Rachel Weiss, O.T. Fagbainle, uh, Ray Winston, who I think we, we've mentioned all of these before, and then Florence Pugh. Um, they showed some footage at Comic-Con of a fight scene between Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh. And um, guys, I believe this is a significant character that Florence Pugh is playing. She is playing Yelena Belova, who is the one of the other Black Widows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I read some descriptions saying that like there was reference to her being her sister. Now, is that more likely that she's her sister in the We Grew Up in the Black Widow program together rather than biological yeah sisters. not biological sister not as far as i'm aware mm. although given the the little that that scene with i never knew my dad right in in endgame mm-hmm. you'd expect that there's going to be some 
you know, it's and it's it's again, we think <laughs> we're pretty sure it's a prequel. It'd be weird if it wasn't. <laughs> They'd <laughs> be like said a weekend at Bernie's Black Widow film. <laughs> <laughs> well, could it be that it's it's both, as in you have her in the present day, and then you have flashbacks to her. Well, you and have her, Natasha uh, in the past. She's so you dead have, in the present day. Or do you, <clears throat> no, or do you, so mean you have Elena in the present day? Because oh, okay. it's oh. about setting up Elena as the new Black Widow. Oh, I like that, Seb. I really like that. Although it would be difficult, given Florence Pugh's age, to pull that off. Because I'm imagining that if they're... They, they dropped that this was taking place in Budapest, which is, you know, going back to that Avengers reference. So you'd imagine that there'd be probably a cameo of some kind from Jeremy Renner in this movie. Um, but that would set the movie at least pre Avengers. So at least 13 years in the MCU's past and pro and probably what, five, 10 years more than that for it to, for, for it to make any kind of sense. So 20 years in the past would probably be hard to pull off. Yeah. Sometime probably, mm. well, definitely before Iron Man, right? But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there was some kind of framing device, or you have an older actress playing Florence Pugh. But That's true because there could be an actress who we haven't seen yet. Who's? I just think it'd be a there waste. Could be some you... reason why she doesn't age. She might have some kind of superhuman infinity serum. formula. <laughs> are are um. we all? Are we all thinking here though? They've got Florence Pugh, who feels like one of the. Biggest rising stars I was in, say, she's in Hollywood very right up now. and coming right now, isn't she? <laughs> and she's also amazing. Like everything I've seen her in, sh she is incredible. And um, yeah, I, I, I can, I can imagine her being very good in this and the kind of asset that the MCU would want to keep hold of. It doesn't feel like someone you'd bring in just for this one film to play one role and, and not be around after that. Whereas Rachel Weisz and Ray Winston and David Harbour feel like whilst whilst great acting talents, you know, the kind of people that yeah, maybe you would. Yeah. <laughs> Come in, nail it in this movie and then, you know, we, we'll maybe ask you to do a Tilda Swinton in Endgame five years from now, just show up for a scene and people will remember you um yeah it, um i guess the other the other detail here is that my speculation of was this going to be a a disney plus movie seems like it's not the case it's going to be a theatrical release um not that they confirmed that just that i think they would have said probably by the <laughs> by the way <laughs> well because they specifically put disney plus logos on things on their big timeline graphic that were disney plus so yeah yeah. And, and you, you know, I think that's the right thing to do. I think it's, I just thought that a Marvel movie might be something that they wanted to do on Disney Plus to give it that extra bit of pop. Well, um, New Mutants are still out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, James, we've established they're dumping that theatrically. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move over on to Disney Plus, though, um, and, and probably a project that we don't need to spend too much time talking about, but this will arrive in fall 2020 uh, it's the next project on the timeline after black widow this is the falcon and the winter soldier um james you were you were derisively sending around a couple of the quotes that anthony mackie and sebastian stan <laughs> was sharing on the stage like yeah where they talked about getting the opportunity to explore their characters sort of <laughs> given that their characters mostly consist of like six word phrases spread out over about eight hours 
it might be a good opportunity for them to create their characters. Yeah, it might be a good opportunity for us to learn literally anything about those characters. <laughs> I think that's I think that's more fair for Bucky than it is for Yeah, Falcon. yeah. To be fair, uh we got a bit of stuff about him in uh which one was it? Winter Soldier. Listen, I didn't I didn't need to see any more Sebastian Stan, but I would imagine that this is the opportunity for them to rebuild that character and do something new with him now that there's no shadow of anything that's come before he's you know he's he's not the winter soldier anymore he's what was his new name <laughs> well i guess he's the well, corner white, white well, okay can no. can i talk about this and the title and stuff yeah um well for starters because there's some, there's a little detail that i really like about because they they unveiled a new logo for this replacing the one that we'd seen previously and in the one we'd seen previously the show was called falcon and winter soldier and now it's called the falcon and the winter soldier and i know that's a little detail but for starters i just think it's a better sounding title and if you look at the logo which has both of their names either side of a graphic of the captain america shield Mm. and if you look at how anthony mackie has talked about getting a new costume I think this show is going to be about the legacy of Captain America and it's going to be about the two of them picking up and essentially divvying up the sort of I know obviously with Endgame it was the shield goes to to Falcon mm. and and the and you know he's he's who Steve has chosen but I think there's going to be an element of it's the both of them carrying on from Steve in different ways um, and, and that's why I think the title is deliberately ironic because in the show neither of them will be the character names that are the title of the show that's my prediction for this I hope not although <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other thing that was teased was well Dan- Daniel Brühl showed up um, yes. on screen as um, Zemo again this uh, is ex- one of those things that's calculated to make me and James happy for very different <laughs> reasons. I'm happy because of how much I loved him in Civil War, and James is happy because... Because he's going to wear the mask. He's going to have a purple mask. It's a big sock, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> the big the thing is, sock. like in, in the comics, I really love Baron Zemo, and he's one of those like surprisingly complex villains who I almost enjoy more than the the character like he's fighting at the time mm-hmm. um so if they're moving the mcu version closer to that i'll be extremely happy my worry though is that he was introduced saying like the winter soldier trigger words and i i that's what i don't want in this i don't want to see the winter soldier again i want to <laughs> we 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 know what the winter soldier's like yeah he's badass but he's probably not going to be as badass on a on a TV budget. But wouldn't it be quite funny to have a scene where Zemo turns up and in order to try and defeat Bucky, starts reading out the Winter Soldier trigger words and then he just punches him in the face because they don't work on him anymore. I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> with his with his metal arm, series is over straight away. Or that's or that's yeah. why he has to wear the purple sock now, because his face <laughs> his face is it's a rest crater. Um Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Um, I will say that the one thing that I guess I'm not surprised by, but uh, is slightly concerning. There's no, there's no mention of any of these Disney Plus shows having like big name showrunners or like a hiring, mm. hiring. Pro- um, no, sorry, that's probably not the right. So I was going to say proper directors, 
what I mean is like recognizable movie directors turning up to helm episodes. What they they are hiring TV directors who I mean they're not going to be auteur driven. Uh, yeah, but I mean the the MCU isn't. It's Kevin Feige driven, which is fine. But I I did wonder whether you know. Yeah, like like Drew Goddard doing the first series of Daredevil, right? That that you would have maybe some names coming in and being like, you are the creative vision behind this. Or even, you know, how like Marcus and McFeely were so involved with the first season of Agent Carter. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, it's, it's not surprising, but I was kind of hoping maybe that you would see like across these eight episodes, maybe, even if it was like the true detective thing where like we've got this director and they're going to turn up and direct all eight episodes. There's going to be a consistent vision and it doesn't seem like that's what we're going to get from the MCU shows. I still got a lot of faith in them because Kevin Feige is taking them very seriously as we'll, as we'll uh, <laughs> explore more as we work our way down this timeline. But yeah, uh, it's, it's not going to be, uh, it's not it's not going to be that kind of like prestige tv model it's going to be more the mcu model i think <laughs> okay let's move on to the next project and the final project of 2020 so there's only two marvel movies next year um i think it's safe to assume guys that if everything had gone smoothly the third movie next year would have been guardians of the galaxy volume 3 yeah well, so, i mean like... that was that was actively stated at some point right yeah and rather than rush any of the other movies to meet, I mean, what, they've got May and November release dates next year, so it would have been like February or June, the other one. Rather than rush something forward at least a year, they went, no, okay, let's just release two next year. And the second one is Eternals. <gasps> <laughs> I, for one, am shocked that Kamel Nanjiani turned up on stage to be part of the cast for this one. <laughs> so we've we've known about this for a while. Chloe Zhao is directing uh, Matthew K. Furpo and Ryan Furpo, possibly related, have written the script. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll I'll read off the cast quickly, and then <laughs> I don't know whether you're going to be able to tell me anything about these characters, but I'm going to ask anyway. So, confirmed starring in the movie, Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kamel Nanjiani, Salma Hayek, Brian Tyree Henry, who was a name we didn't know anything about before, but um, f- fantastic. Uh, Dong Siok Ma, Liam McHugh, and Lauren Ridloff. So, guys, uh, can I quiz you on the characters? Is that worthwhile doing? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you something about one of them, which is the quite widely reported fact that's interesting about the casting. Is it Makari? No. Oh, right. <laughs> well, so I'll tell you something. Uh, Makari, who is being played by Lauren Ridloff, Lauren, Lauren Ridloff is a deaf actress, and apparently Makari is a deaf character. So that's something notable there. Hmm. Who were you uh, going to say, Seb? Sprite. Sprite, who is being played by Leah McHugh. Yes. who is um, a tiny little child. Yes, and is a boy or a, or male in the comics. Ah, so I apparently, she, it, like, the, the gag is that she's one of the, or he in the comics is one of the oldest characters. One of the oldest, yeah. Yeah. But, but is in the, the, uh, the seeming body of a child, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that this was the, the potential Millie Bobby Brown role that hasn't come to pass? I, I wondered that when I saw it, but then I don't know how old Leah McHugh is because she seems younger. Yeah, I think so. I don't so know. So I don't know. It doesn't uh, say in her IMDb. 
Yeah. But she looks like significantly younger. But then mm. I don't know how recent these pictures are that come up when you Google her name. There doesn't seem to be a lot about her on the internet. So, um, right, Gilgamesh. Can anyone tell me anything about Gilgamesh? The forgotten this one. Is... Gilgamesh is like the actual sort of banner character from this lineup. Yeah, because he was an Avenger. Tell me all about him. He sounds exciting. I read somewhere that he's stronger than Hulk. I mean, he's like, he's super strong and throughout history he's been mistaken for lots of other characters. Like, um, Beowulf is technically Gilgamesh in the Marvel Universe. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Samson, Biblical Samson was also Gilgamesh. Yeah, I mean, aside from being an Avenger, that's the most interesting thing you can say. (laughs) I'm sure we will have much more interesting things to say about them, James, in a in a couple of years once the movie's come out. I really hope so, because I can't fake enthusiasm for Eternals in any way. <laughs> I, I don't think you ever have. I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian Tyree Henry's playing uh, Fastos. Um, Fastos. Brian Ty- Tyree Henry, of course, was um, was recently, uh, what's his face, in Into the Spider-Verse on Claren. Um, Prowler in, in Enter the Spider-Verse. Uh, I mean, Brian, you know, Brian Tyree weird, Henry's great. The weird thing about the Eternals, right, is that a lot of the core characters are sort of based on the Greek gods. And so they have names similar to the Greek gods, but also oh, okay. also the Marvel Universe has the actual Greek gods. Right. <laughs> so, like, Makari is Mer- Mercury and Fastos is Hephaestus, but also Mercury and Hephaestus exist in the Marvel Universe. This is because not- Jack Kirby was just doing his own thing. <laughs> Salma Hayek is Ajak, who I hear is like the the leader almost of the Eternals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kamel is playing Kingo. Kingo, I mean, <sighs> I'm, I'm I, enjoying I, this. I've got nothing to tell you. Richard Marin, Madden is Icarus. Icarus, right? Icarus. Is that, yeah, yeah. Will, will he be flying too close to the sun? Joe, Joe, you're very amateur. Sorry. <laughs> Icarus is actually, the, the Icarus of myth is actually Icarus's son, but he renamed himself Icarus. Oh. In honour of his dead son. Okay. It's so, so interesting, it isn't it? It's, then. it's really interesting. <laughs> like the, you know, all the different interconnections between the... <laughs> <laughs> and Angelina Jolie is Athena. Athena. I see what they've done there. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if I maybe if I brush up on my Greek mythology, I know, I, I will know more about the Eternals. Nah. Or you could just brush up on your Roman mythology and change the name. <laughs> That's just a little classical history joke for you there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, the Eternals, the the shtick is that they've been on Earth for three and a half thousand years, and they protect Earth from the deviants. <laughs> Are any of those guys deviants, or are they all Eternals? Are they all the good guys? No, they're all the good guys, yeah. So we don't know who the baddies are going to be yet? No. No. Although I was just on the Wikipedia page for the film, and some wag has edited the... Because I was looking, I was trying to match up so I could see who everybody was and see their individual Wikipedia pages. And someone had replaced a lot of them uh, by... Well, it replaced Angela Jolie to say that um, Josh Brolin was playing Thanos, um, that Richard Madden was playing Star Fox, 
um, and that Kurt Russell would be returning as Ego the Living Planet. So I don't know why someone decided to do that on Wikipedia, but that's what the page said when I went to it this evening. Wonderful. I have reverted it. <laughs> uh, to probably to um, <clears throat> mess up some lazy journalists' clickbait. Yeah, I mean, it would be quite Monday fun morning. to see if that got through because I mean, it kept the citations to the Marvel article that lists them all. We have spoken before about how Thanos is a like an eternal of his race. Yeah, but Thanos is not going to in any way appear in phase 4. No, it sounds no. like they're just going to completely you know. ignore the the idea of like cuz you have Kree Eternals and Deviants and you have ti- like Titan Eternals and Deviants. I don't well, think I mean, they're going to do that. In the film, yeah. certainly not in this film. And given Far From Home with the with the Cree and Scroll setup, right? So there are, there are Scrolls who are now living on Earth and have been for quite some time, and there are Cree sleeper cells who are presumably waging some kind of war. You've also got Eternals on Earth protecting Earth from the Deviants. That's a lot of people hiding in plain sight on Earth, protecting it from different kinds of threats. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just yeah. just quickly, I've got a list here of deviants from the Marvel Universe. I want you to give me a letter, any letter of the alphabet. Q. Q. You would start with a difficult one. Okay. <laughs> Queen Vera, the queen of the deviants, she was transformed into inert matter and merged with the others of deviant population into a cube by the Eternals. She is currently deceased. Give us another letter. Jay. I think I think it's great that we're spending this much time Jay. on the Eternals instead of moving on to all the new stuff that got announced. No, 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 no. Joro, a weapons maker and unwilling servant of Terminus. Let's do one more. F. F. Uh, Fratag, or Frathag, member of the priesthood who took t- charge of the fifth host, killed by an angry mob of deviants when Crow exposed the purity time as a falsehood. It sounds great, James. I don't know what your issue is. (laughs) Okay, so James, we get it. You're excited about the Eternals, but I I think we're going to have to move on and get to the first project of 2021. That is February 12th, and this is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And let me talk you through... So we we knew Shang-Chi was coming, but let me talk you through... I I think probably, like... James, when we were chatting on that WhatsApp, our kind of shared response, which was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Those Ten Rings, what they're talking about, are in relation to the Mandarin. And Mm. the MCU had been dropping Ten Rings stuff as far back as Iron Man. And apparently they played like a little montage on the screen of where Ten Rings had been showing up, and apparently there was something from Ant-Man and something from a couple of different movies. And obviously, originally, you think that's all leading towards the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, but the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 was (coughs) Trevor Slattery. And we thought, ah, brilliant, okay, what a great way to deal with the Mandarin. Because he is a Yellow Peril character who doesn't have much of a place in movies or in storytelling right now. No. Um, So they found a clever way around it. Except some fans hated Iron Man 3, and when, was it All Hail the King, the MCU short one-shot, the last of the one-shots came out? It was Um, All Hail the King. 
which starred Sam Rockwell and um, Scoot McNary and um, Ben Kingsley back as Trevor Slattery, there was some reference to like, oh, the real Mandarin's still out there. And when that happened, I think all of us kind of went, why are you trying to placate these dudes? <laughs> the the- yeah, who were just like, oh, you didn't do my racist character justice. And I think that we're, the, the prevailing wisdom there was, just ignore it and never do it. So when you see the title Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and then they announce, albeit some really cool casting and some casting which is going to see some um, some good international box office, I will tell you for free, um, <laughs> that Tony Leung is going to be playing the Mandarin in Shang-Chi. I think it was, you kind of feel like, oh, so they have capitulated and they are doing it and they're taking Shang-Chi down with it. But the twist here is that they're using the Mandarin as Shang-Chi's father and that then... Have have they actually confirmed ah, that? Well, I was going to say, have they said that? Because this is an assumption based on who I think he's replacing, but I didn't know if they'd mm. actually said it was his yeah, father. Yeah, because it seems what happened, like, without knowing whether that is the case or not, Shang-Chi in the comics is the daughter, daughter is the <laughs> son of Fu Manchu, mm. yeah. who obviously, like, from Sax Roma's novels... Not part of the MCU, and also not because part of the Marvel, Marvel universe at all. In yeah. fact, because they Lost yeah Marvel the had licensed yeah. it. Um, yeah. Also, himself, like the archetypical yellow peril villain. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I, I, if they are going to replace, you know, they can't do that in the films because uh, Fu Manchu's a pre-existing character who can't exist in the MCU. So. Replacing like one sort of Chinese sorcerer with another Chinese sorcerer who they do have rights to does make sense. I mean, yeah, I I, I think there is a significant difference in having the Mandarin, or indeed Fu Manchu, but let's stick with the Mandarin, as the villain of a white superhero <clears throat> character, a white American superhero yes. character, and having him as the villain for a fellow Chinese character, because then it's just, you know, he's not going to be being played as yeah. he's the not evil the Chinese China one. Person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, can I just incidentally, just this, again, this comes from, uh, and I hadn't seen this before, this comes from Fu Manchu's Wikipedia page. Um, Sax Roma, uh, how he came to create Fu Manchu, uh, it says, Sax Roma, without any prior knowledge and understanding of Chinese culture decided to, decided to start the Fu Manchu series after his Ouija board spelled out C H I N A M A N when he asked what was the most dangerous competition to the white man. Oh God! Wow. <laughs> I mean, so, that I mean, was, the only way that is was up, like really. sort of Victorian era of like mesmerism and the occult being a really big thing that people actually took seriously, right? Pretty much. I mean, so yeah, slightly, slightly post-Victorian, but yeah, essentially, because yeah. it was kind of yeah, nineteen tens, I think. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so you know, as I say, it's if you are going to ever do the real in inverted commas Mandarin, um, then yes, put put him in an environment where he's one of several characters from the same place, because then his race and and nationality are not what <laughs> he's defined by. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm. I'm sure I read somewhere, but it maybe it was someone else making an assumption that it that he would be 
he would be Shang-Chi's father. Yeah, if I it's think, not confirmed. I, th- I think I that assumption is based on he's obviously subbing in for Fu Manchu. Yeah. So I think I, I think everyone seems to have drawn that conclusion, and it would surprise me if that's not the case. Um. So yeah, I mentioned that Tony Leung was playing the Mandarin. Uh, Simu Liu is playing Shang-Chi, uh, an actor that I don't think any of us <laughs> are familiar with, but um, is best known, I think, for... Being one of the leads on the uh, sitcom Kim's Convenience. Um, he's a Canadian <clears throat> actor um, of Chinese descent. He um, will also be joined in the movie by Aquafina. Uh, she hasn't. Um, she hasn't got uh, you know hasn't got a character linked to her yet. But again, kind of another one of those actresses like Florence Pugh who. It was probably on like Marvel's list of like this person is rising and rising really fast <laughs> and kind of steals every scene that she's in in every movie. Let's get her into the MCU. <laughs> she was good um, in Ocean's Eight. Yeah. Could I? Could I just as well just on the subject of Simu Liu? I think some credit has to be given to uh, Andrew Wheeler, a comic book critic turned writer, uh, who in March 2017 said that Simu Liu would be a great Shang Chi and got a thank you note off him. Then in 2018, Simu Liu tweeted at Marvel and said, come on, let's talk. And yeah. then apparently about four or five days ago, got cast as Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so so Andrew Wheeler was ahead of everybody, including the actor himself on that one. <laughs> um, I don't think I mentioned, but this will be directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who uh probably best known for directing Short Term 12, which was... Uh, probably one of the movies that was instrumental in Brie Larson becoming the megastar she is today um, and is being written by Dave Callahan. Um, so that is Shang-Chi. Uh, and, and and yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be uh, looking at The Legend of the Ten Rings with him. Um, after Shang-Chi, we skip back to Disney Plus and WandaVision. Uh, so that title's been confirmed. It comes with a logo that looks like very... Uh, 1950s? 1950s, like the the kind of logo that you might see on the side of a toaster. I was going to say on, on a fridge, but yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now... Sorry, there's an ice cream truck going past in the background. <laughs> it's, not spy- it's not spider cat today, it's spider ice cream truck. Um, they didn't talk an, an awful lot of detail about one division when they came out on stage other than Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are reprising their roles, which I think we, it was no surprise. Um, but then the, the, I think the curious bit that threw, that threw us all a little bit was that they confirmed that Monica Rambeau would be a character in this series. Um, she's going to be played by, uh, is it Tiona Paris? Yes. Um, who uh, I think got a breakthrough on Mad Men and was in Dear White People. Um, because given the logo and given the, the kind of the rumours that I'd heard around this show, the, I, I, what what I'd been hearing was that WandaVision would be set in some kind of like grief-constructed universe that Scarlet Witch had like magicked up mm. where she like was able to go and live this like harmonious 1950s all-american life with vision which would you know lean into would be an mcu way of doing something similar to 
the Tom King Vision series with like, you know, Vision living out in suburbia, but this time with Scarlet Witch and not a family that he's created. <laughs> um and that's kind of what I was expecting on a sort of logo, but then the the Monica Rambeau thing kind of throws that for a loop. And I can't even think about what you know I think we're all expecting that Monica Rambeau would be showing up in the in the MCU given the the time gap between Captain Marvel and where we are now. But this would have been the last project that I would have pegged her to. So do you guys have any theories? How's that how's this gonna work? <sighs> I <coughs> it depends okay for a start it depends whether um monica rambo is gonna have her superpowers because if she does then she'll be photon and her powers are to like transform into electromagnetic energy or whatever and if this is like one division and maybe she's living in a tv set you know living out her 1950s sitcom life mm. maybe monica rambo can transform into television waves and go in there <laughs> don't know seems tenuous that she's like the hero sent to go get her out yeah i, c- I can imagine like a-, a version of this series where you know they do the sort of weird paranoid thing of you know they're living this kind of stepford wives type existence slash twilight zone existence and like mm. monica rambo is the character who has to go in and disrupt it and and pull everyone out yeah, that could make sense. Yeah, it's just she. It's just how does she get that link to it in the first place? Because there's nothing already established. Yeah, I mean, in the comics, they were both Avengers. Like, there's mm. that. But again, as it stands, there's not a lot yeah. linking them. The only um, project could... prior to that, sorry, I was going to say that I could imagine that you could like drop her in for a scene or an episode is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that maybe there's an opportunity there. Because I don't yeah. see her popping up in Eternals or Shang-Chi. Or no. Black, Wid- Black Widow, if that's a prequel, makes even less sense. Unless she comes back as a kid again. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of things I'll just say about this is, firstly, I mean, uh, well, actually, just on a, on a minor point, but um really like Tiana Paris in Mad Men. So, because uh, she was Dawn, um, Dawn's secretary, and that was when sort of Mad Men attempted to sort of do some stuff around civil rights uh, yeah. in the later part of the run. Uh, but she was as, very good in that. As James and I discussed from. last night, it is not hard to try and remember the black character from that <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, because it would either have been her or her friend who she occasionally meets up with to discuss mm. what's going on in the office. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, the other thing was just, I think, it seems pretty clear to me that this show would not exist in this form and be doing what it's doing if not for Tom King's Vision series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty clear that at least some measure of inspiration in terms of putting those characters in a hellish suburban sort of environment which is what I mean, we're assuming not the uh, not the wonder is in tom king's vision series well she's in, she, she's in she is one issue, kind yeah. of yeah she is is she yeah yeah <laughs> i don't remember that it's the issue that has yeah a there's a whole artist. issue about her okay <laughs> yeah. yeah and it is it's yeah it's 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 the big twist issue yeah yeah uh you should reread it it's it's a <laughs> it's a still good tom king series as opposed to one that went bad after 70-odd issues. Um, but yes, so that's you know going to be interesting to see how that will be interpreted and what it will do. But, um, you know, I th- as I think we've said so many times, like here for anything that sort of puts a, a differently genre spin on these things. So if it's really playing with 50s suburban American and even possibly with sitcom tropes, 
Um, and if it does have uh, an updated version of the Chuckle Vision theme tune, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm actually quite um, excited for this now. I was, yeah, well, you know, yeah. I was a bit ambivalent before, but this sounds like, sounds interesting, right? Which mm. isn't necessarily true of all the, uh, all the other Marvel projects. Well, yeah. I, I, t- I would say the, st- the TV stuff, I think that there are, they have, it for me, interesting hooks that I go, oh, right, okay, I can imagine how this could be weird and different to most of them. Apart from maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which feels a little bit more straightforward. Um, but we'll see. Um, the the key detail that we've omitted so far here, because this is how they did it on the night as well, this will arrive in spring 2021, just before Doctor Strange and... Uh, sorry, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> on May 7th, 2021, a title which I tweeted made me pregnant. Um, <laughs> and WandaVision, the events of WandaVision will be directly building up to Doctor Strange or the plot of Doctor Strange will kind of be incited by what happens in WandaVision and that Scarlet Witch is the other announced cast member in Doctor Strange at this point alongside Benedict Cumberbatch I think it's safe to say that probably Benedict Wong is returning as well Um, but beyond that like I'm not even sure if we're going to see Chiwetel Ejiofor in this Mm. I don't think we're not going to see Tilda Swinton again we're not going to see any of the villains there's not really God knows if we'll see any of the hospital people. Michael <laughs> Michael Stolberg will be drafted back in to waste his time again. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness does not suggest to me immediately. Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah. back with Rachel McAdams and Nicodemus West. <laughs> so, what do you think? Do you do you buy what Kevin Feige is saying here that One Division is going to be the build up to Doctor Strange? I think. I mean, if, if he's saying it, then <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a tendency, isn't there, to say like, "Oh, this is going to be very important for something you're more excited about," and then what actually happens is it's like, you know, v- sort of obliquely acknowledged, but actually doesn't mean anything. I think it's going to be that balance of, in no way is Marvel going to require you to have seen One Division. Yeah. Before you t- before you see Doctor no, Strange, but, I, I, but I, I if you've seen more. it, there will be one line that makes more sense than it. No, did. no, no, no. I think I think that there will be something, a place where a character ends up. Probably Wonder. There will be a status quo for Wonder at the end of One Division, yeah. which will play heavily into the inciting incident. My, my feeling is basically, yeah. It, you if you if you're going in cold to the Doctor Strange film and Wonder is there. Um, you won't need to have seen the show, but if you want to know why she's wherever she is, you can watch the show to find out, but it won't be reliant on it. It'll just be that's where that's explained. Here are my two Here are my two guesses. One, Wanda, by whatever she's doing in WandaVision, inadvertently creates the multiverse. I don't know about creates the multiverse. Well, I mean, I, scientifically speaking, a multiverse exists, right? I think opens yeah. the multiverse up in some way. Yeah. In a minute, I'm going to make a prediction that's really going to piss Joe off, but do you, but do you other one first? <laughs> uh, the other one is that um, Wanda is turned full-on villain by the end of WandaVision, and that we're assuming she's teaming up with Doctor Strange, and actually she is the she's the main villain of that movie. Could be. Interesting. I mean, Scarlet Witch does have form with creating universes and being a villain. 
Um, because in the Marvel comics, she... Uh, it's the House of M stuff, right? Yeah, she created a... Or, re, you know, rewrote the universe so that mutants were the dominant life form on Earth. Mm. Um, while stricken with grief. So, you know, it's a thing that can happen. I think they need to be careful with it because I don't think that they want... To, I, don't, I don't think they want to just have the, you know, like... Crazy woman trope. Cra- yeah, the crazy woman trope, which I think Scarlet... Uh, sorry, Scarlet. Which I think Elizabeth Olsen has spoke about in the past, being reticent to go down that route with Scarlet Witch. Yeah, um, it was pretty bad in the comics, and I'm fairly confident they're not going to do it in the films. But I, I wonder if there's a way that's, that she can be the villain, where it's maybe it's not driven by craziness, it's driven by, you know, we just have a different perspective on things. If she thinks she's figured out a way to bring like people like Vision back... Yeah, and the and the heroes are stopping her from doing that. I do find it interesting that they're apparently building up the magical side of the Marvel universe at the moment because, like, obviously you've got Wonder Vision <sighs> crossing over with Doctor Strange. Uh, Legend of the Ten Rings heavily implies that it's going to, you know, be linked to Mandarin's rings, which I know technically aren't magic, but they are magic. You call it science? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> technically, I mean, they're I... alien alien technology, but. Actually, they're magic. I I really fell hard for um, Doctor Strange in that Jason Aaron run that came after Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. That was like one of when I was doing my like hardcore diamonds <laughs> yeah. comics. Your ill-advised attempt to read every new Marvel series. <laughs> Not every, but I gave a lot of this stuff a crack, and that was the one that I or that and Vision, I think, at the time were the two where I was like, yeah, okay, right, I'm really into these, and I I lo- I love what they did with Doctor Strange in that comic, which was to kind of. It was the the villains were were taking magic out of the universe, so they kind of made one of the most powerful characters in that universe the least, and made him kind of think around it, like almost like as he like fought to save magic. And then the the arc that directly followed that up was almost like a greatest hits of all of Doctor Strange's villains. Mm-hmm. And so I got quite I got like a nice overview of like. Mordo and Dormammu and Clea and um, who's the big eye? There was a big eye. <laughs> um, what, the orb? Yeah, the orb and Nightmare. <laughs> and <laughs> Jason was... Aaron cannot resist putting the orb in things. <laughs> it was great. Um, uh, and I had a lot of fun with it. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness suggests that, I mean, like, they've got to be doing Nightmare, right? <laughs> Well, okay, so yeah, so the so I've got two predictions for this, one of which ties into that, which is yes, night nightmare's surely going to be the villain here, given that he's already been talked about by people as probably being the villain. Uh, I'm not the only person to say this; I've seen other people say it. Keanu. I mean, I, I suggested this a long time ago. Well, there you go. So that's possibly where we get Keanu. But here's my prediction that is going to really piss you off, Joe. Go on. This film is not going to be about the multiverse. No, no. <laughs> I, do you know what? Just I, because it's called Doctor yeah. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> the Multiverse of Madness will be a thing. The Marvel multiverse is not being established by this movie. I... I see a lot. It depends. I, depends I, I dis- what multiverse we're talking disagree. about, right? Because yeah. technically, the quantum realm is part of the multiverse, right? Yeah. Yeah. So technically, it already exists. I imagine it's yeah. going to be something like that. Like we'll have a dimension. It's not going to be alternate versions yeah. of Doctor Strange. 
No. Although there could be, I mean, I mean, if it is nightmare, and and I'm really getting a very Mysterio he feel off this in terms of could we have a similar setup where you where the character is led to believe a lot of stuff is happening that actually isn't, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so I don't that, know, but Scott Derrickson and and Ken Feige have said this is going to be the first pure Marvel horror movie. Which, Which I'm a bit perturbed by because I don't like horror. <laughs> so is there actually going to be a film that I'm not going to be able to watch? Well, can you I don't watch want that? Like it's going to be a PG horror film, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be blood. This it, this is uh, this is like the same as any Marvel genre stuff. They lean into genre without being completely that thing, don't they? It's going to have it's some still, jump scares. Is what we're talking about. It's still well, it's I don't still like a jump scares. Movie. So well, you better get used to them. <laughs> Boo. I I just love that podcast. I love the possibilities that that title, that setup for that movie opens up. I, as much as I love the setup for Baron Mordo in the first Doctor Strange, I, I wonder whether it's been too long. And I don't, unless Mordo is, is like orchestrating whatever happens in the Multiverse of Madness, but him orchestrating things isn't as interesting as him actually being the villain to me because it was was such a good performance and i i i don't think i've seen in in the mcu a better villain setup in that like his motivations completely track that his his character arc is so strong in the first doctor strange that where you leave him you're like yes it completely makes sense that he's like that this zealot has gone off and gone. I like. I, I think basically, I need to destroy magic because people like people like him are always going to abuse it. The thing is, like, and I just don't know how that fits here. Just, just the the phrase, the multiverse of madness. Like, it has this kind of Lovecraftian vibe, and yes, I'm definitely. immediately more intrigued by that version of Doctor Strange than. Doctor Strange fights Baron Mordo, who is trying to, like, you know, do some stuff with magic. Just, it might be a good setup for the character, but plot-wise, it just doesn't sound interesting at all. Do you think he'll be in it? I imagine he'll be in it just because they need to pay lip service, but I think it might be a sort of Thor, uh, Loki at the start of Ragnarok thing, where they're like, oh, we better tie that loose end up in one scene, and off we go. Mm -hmm. No, or post like credits to set up the next one. <laughs> Again, <laughs> let's let's try and not have to wait five years between Doctor Strange movies next time. <laughs> I think will probably be the the mo there. Um, okay, we'll move back to TV. Spring twenty twenty one. As this also just, we're still in spring twenty twenty one. Is Loki? Um, not much detail on this other than a confirmation that the character we'll be following will be the version of that character who grabbed the Tesseract yeah. <laughs> in Endgame. So, yeah. Which, so again, we all predicted. Yeah, because it's Loki in between. Um, it's just, it, it's the, here's the convenient space we have created for Loki adventures. It's like when you used to get the Doctor Who novels that slotted in between sort of uh, episodes where they could have been going off traveling absolutely. Yeah, anywhere. or the Quantum Leap comics, which fit between episodes of the TV series. <laughs> yeah. And in which he does some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think what 
they kind of haven't said or made any reference to because yeah they all they've really focused on here isn't it is that that's that version of loki mm. um but they there does seem to be this suggestion and i think from the stuff that's been seen about the production and also from the logo um that we could be jumping around time or yeah. places or even versions of loki quite a bit because i saw some people criticizing that logo yeah which if, if anybody hasn't seen it yeah I saw. it has got loki spelled out in four completely differently styled letters that clash and don't look right and i saw people criticizing it as bad graphic design yeah, those people are idiots because <laughs> it yeah. is clearly intentional yeah yeah, there was um, there was lots of people on Twitter like, as someone who's studied graphic design for X <laughs> amount of years, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's so glaring as to be so obviously deliberate. So I would uh, also encourage people not to get too bogged down in these logos because a they show different logos on screen to what they, they showed on yes. Twitter yeah. consistently, <laughs> and b. None of these logos make their what well, very few of these logos make their way to the actual marketing campaigns for the movie. So like the the version that will actually show up in the marketing and on like the the title card of the movie if it ever does will be the version that the marketing department decide mm. 6 months out from the movie is the best way to sell that film. The only one I can even really think was all that close um was Spider-Man. Um, that that homecoming logo, but otherwise, yeah. When they do these, like, I mean, sometimes even the titles change. Yeah. Um, Captain America and the Serpent Society, or whatever it was. Uh, well, I don't oh, think that, it was ever going to be called that. No, was it? it that, that was just a, that was a, a joke on the screen. Switch. Yeah. Yeah. But they um, no. I think that's that's another reason why Disney have only announced movies up to the end of 2021 because I I really think they backed themselves into a corner with how they announced. Phase three. They had the whole about... Inhumans embarrassment. Well, you, the, the yeah. embarrassment of Inhumans, then getting Spider-Man involved, and then having to publicly push back the release date of Captain Marvel was a bad luck. If that had happened behind closed doors, there would never, there would never have been the level of criticism there was for that. But as it was, what we saw was a male character being prioritised and the first Marvel female character being pushed back yet another year. Um. I, I still think Thor Ragnarok, they wouldn't have called that movie Thor Ragnarok if they hadn't have announced it on that stage. Like, yeah. the movie they were planning when they announced Thor Ragnarok is not the movie that they executed. <laughs> it just, and I think they they figured out a way to like shoehorn Ragnarok into the end <laughs> whilst, whilst the movie not actually be anything about it. So I think this is smart. I, I think, you know, announce your two years worth of projects and now that you have tv projects that you can throw in there as well then it kind of pads it out doesn't it because <laughs> we're talking about 10 projects here rather than five um so we talked about loki uh still on the tv side of things next is what if this is the big one for me <laughs> i'm so into uh, this this is the animated uh, Disney Plus show that is, I think it's going to be kicked off with an episode that what if Peggy Carter had been the one who got the, the Super yeah. Soldier Serum. Um, and the, the I, I, I guess the big news coming out of the coming out of the event was that um, all of the voices in this, we'd already heard that Hayley Atwell will be back, but you know, 
that they put up a thing on screen. I'm just having a look through that Michael B. Jordan, Sebastian Stan. Um, Basically, everyone's Samuel coming out Jackson, to, to, voice their, to voice their characters, right? Yeah, Stanley Tucci, Taika Waititi, Toby Jones. So yeah, all of the all of the live action actors are coming back to revive their roles. Also, they Except announced for two major ones. <laughs> are you, what uh, Evans and Downey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Which wonder if fair, right? so we're not getting Steve Rogers in the Peggy Carter. Well, I'm sure we will get Steve Rogers. It's just not going to be Chris Evans, Steve Rogers. And also, if you're doing what if, I think the most interesting thing is to go, what if actually the two fundamental things of our universe weren't there? Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the other big announcement was, was that Jeffrey Wright has been cast as the watcher who's going to be kind mm. of like the narrator of the show. Um, and as I said to you guys in the chat, that's got to mean that Jeffrey Wright is showing up in a live-action MCU movie in that role. He's too big to just cast as a voice role for a cartoon version, isn't he? I mean, don't get me wrong; he has an amazing voice. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, but well, yeah, yeah, but also he'll it, it will essentially be a voice role in movies because it'll be so CGI altered. But what I mean is, you know, he's too big for just an animated TV show. Hmm. I could see him turning up in Eternals, for example. Do we? I mean, <laughs> or Doctor we, Strange. Do we need to explain the concept of what if? Uh, explain I the think concept it of what itself, if. doesn't it? I mean, the concept is like, what if stories happened in a slightly different way? And in the comics, they tend to take a single divergent point, and the watchers like, ah, but in another universe, this happened. So you so get some some famous ones that I can think of that that I you know that you've probably put on my radar. What if what what was it? What if Uncle Ben hadn't died? Or what, was it? what if Uncle <laughs> that's ben been done a bunch Spider-Man? of times? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what as we just said? What if Peggy Carter got the Super Soldier Serum? Is the one they kick off here? Yeah. What if Jane Foster had become Thor? That's crazy, <laughs> ridiculous. That's, yeah. Can I can I make a prediction about what one of the stories on the show will be based again on that cast list that's been confirmed so far? Yeah. If if you pick out the names of actors from the Guardians films who are confirmed to be in this so far, admittedly there might be people who are unconfirmed. You've only got Karen Gillan, Sean Gunn, uh, Jim Unhounzu, and Michael Rooker, which says to me, what if? Yondu had let the Ravagers eat Peter Quill. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Can happen. I, what, what if Killmonger had become Black Panther and not T'Challa? I'm right, looking forward to that one. Yeah. Uh, I, do you know what? I mean, I find it difficult to care too much about this because Marvel animated doesn't doesn't immediately strike me with you know, intrigue. But I, I guess it could be fun. Um, <laughs> the comics are great fun because they normally the answer to the question, what if X happened, is uh, lots of people die and the world ends. I mean, they made an entire um, event out of it the other year, didn't they, with Captain America, Nick Spencer. Yeah, Amer- I mean, that's- that was... That was a what if, basically. That wasn't it. Like, what if what if Captain America was secretly a Nazi? Well, no, but that us... that actually did happen. It wasn't like what if that happened. I know, but it kind of was a what if because they, because of the hand waving and the like. This is what would have happened, but actually, don't worry. 
it just I, I, <laughs> no the what the what ifs that I've had exposure to tend to be like oh things would have got real different and silly and it would you know you you're probably glad that it's the way it is yeah it's an excuse for them to like go crazy with it yeah and that's I, that's why I love it <laughs> the what I'm not what I'm not sure about with the show is do you think it's going to be a what if Peggy Carter had been the one who got the super soldier serum and then the butterfly effect from all of that right so it's like it is a show where that's the inciting thing and then you've got lots of different what ifs that happen because I think of that. I think it's I think more that's likely a less interesting way to do it to be honest yeah it's more likely to be the story of Captain America but with Peggy Carter in the lead for one episode and then you do what you do a different, you have a completely different. Yeah. yeah because it's more fun to be able to mix and match what elements you are and aren't keeping in your setup mm-hmm. and I think it's more fun to not be bound by what the previous ones have done because essentially what you're then doing is you're doing the ultimate universe. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting way to do the ultimate universe, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A more interesting um, way would just be to not do the ultimate universe. <laughs> I was going to say there are worse ways to do the ultimate universe, such as how they actually did the ultimate universe. <laughs> um, okay, so the next project was still on TV. Three, three TV projects in a row uh, is... Hawkeye! What's exciting about this, guys? The logo? We all know what's exciting about this. There's two (laughs) things that are exciting about this. And finally, everyone's coming around to Cunningham's perspective. Hawkeye is going to be great because, one, the logo is the fraction and I... uh, 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 Joe, you cautioned us against getting excited about the logos because they're not the actual (laughs) logos on the show. Nah, nah, nah. But if you are showing this logo... You are hinting at the direction of a TV show. Um, And this is, while I don't think it's going to be an adaptation of, I think it's going to be inspired by that comic book run. And the other detail that we were given is that this will follow Hawkeye training a younger archer who also doesn't have superpowers, and she will be Kate Bishop. Finally. Finally. Can I, just before we kind of get on with being excited about this, can I just pour a little bit of cold water on it, which is that no. Kate Bishop, who is who is great and great in her own right, uh, Kate Bishop alongside Clint Barton is good when the Clint Barton is the one from the Matt Fraction comics. When it's this Clint Barton, I'm a little more sceptical that that's nonsense. Dynamic nonsense. And... This Clint Barton is amazing and he is great. And do you remember when him and Black Widow were, were tackling each other because they're just such great people who didn't want their friends to die? And he's noble and he's a family man and he's going to be training up Kate Bishop and it's going to be great. I mean, again, Joe, even you don't sound convinced, and that doesn't sound like what was good about the Matt Fraction comics. <laughs> no, but I think if you, I, I think you take this character right in that kind of direction, and and what if you take the what what if what you're taking from that comic is the general vibe and atmosphere of that comic and the Kate Bishop of that comic and clashing it with the MCU Hawkeye. I, I think, think you can still do really just... interesting stuff. The th- why I, one of the re- one of the things I mean, there's many things that work about that dynamic. Why I, th- why I think this is the key thing about the Kate and Clint dynamic is Kate is young and inexperienced and prone to kind of jumping into things, but is 
like scarily hyper competent and clint is experienced and an avenger and has this background doing stuff but is an absolute hot mess and my issue with mcu hawkeye throwing him into that mix is that i don't believe that version of the character is capable of being played as the hot mess that clint from yeah the i completely agree with that that series so what I, here's what i think they're gonna do with the character I, I i there was a reference to exploring more of what happened with ronin right now I, I after reading how they how they actually specifically referred to that at the panel i don't think that means that this is going to be set during the five-year gap when hawkeye was ronin I think this is going to deal with some of the fallout from him being Ronin in that five-year gap. So, for instance, I don't know, maybe a group of Russian gangsters uh, <laughs> might 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 turn up, like with a bit of a bone to pick with Hawkeye about <laughs> about what he did during those five years. I think it's good dog, right? <laughs> and and, the, and there's this dog, um, and I could I could see that being the way in that rather than Hawkeye being a hot mess he's a guy that has that has because he thought he'd lost everything and just went fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and do what i want this put together clint barton is gonna have to deal with all the stuff he did in those five years and i think the threats that he's gonna be faced with in this show the villains that he's gonna be faced with in the show are gonna be you know the vestiges of that and so i think that's how you do hot mess clint is that he has created the mess around himself and he's created a lot of demons. And I, and I think Renner said specifically at the panel that he's training up like a newer version, like a new superhero, but also a better version of himself. So like a Hawkeye that's not saddled with that baggage. Um, so that's how I think you do it. I am. I'm sort of expecting this to have a kind of screwball feel. Because I wonder if they're going to primarily be influenced by the LA stuff that was like half, you know, when it was half and half. God, I loved that stuff yeah. that was like really heavily inspired by uh, The Long Goodbye. Yeah, that that, that was, was great. Favourite stuff in the series. And that's sort of the direction I hope they go with this. The Kate Bishop LA stuff. Yeah. 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 Because they're, they're, she's kind of around at the start of the run, isn't she? And then it, it becomes straight out in the middle like an alternate comic, like it's a Clint issue yeah. and then a Kate issue, and then it and then it comes back together at the end. I need to reread that series. Yeah. It's been long enough that I could actually go through and reread the whole thing and enjoy it again, and <laughs> and, and with the bonus of not having to wait like six months between some of the issues, like <laughs> when it was coming out. Well, you recommended it to me uh, on the Age of Ultron, uh, the Age of Ultron episode of the show. And the comic hadn't finished its run at that point because because <laughs> I've got I've got a copy of the final issue, uh, and I've also got the hardcover of the the entire set. So I've got a week off work as well, guys. Maybe I'll read it this week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think it's uh, Kate Bishop hasn't been cast yet. For anyone that hasn't read comics for her, she's just she's just a breath of fresh air, right? That's the best way of describing her. I mean, she is in the Hawkeye comics. They kind of changed her character quite a lot. Prior to that, she was sort of moody and angry and a bit too cool for school. Yeah, because it's, it's Young Avengers she's from originally, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. The Heimberg Young Avengers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of how her characterization in Hawkeye is, I think, what's persisted since then. And she was the lead in um, 
the recent excellent West Coast Avengers series. Um, but yeah, it's basically, I mean, she's sort of, she's, um, she's a kind of, I mean, she's a spoiled rich kid, um, who, yeah, as I say, is this kind of like actually discovers that she has a terrifying skill at archery and also is, is generally quite kind of, I mean, she's a combination of smart and together in terms of getting stuff done, but completely not smart and together in terms of like keeping her life and personal life and stuff going, um, as I say, it's just that that and that kind of clash between the two. Well, again, if clash is the right word, but that contrast between the two of them, um, and the other thing that's really persistent, and definitely the thing that I think this show will be drawing on is how Clint sees her. Is here is the better version of me. Here's someone who's got the potential to do what I do, and just be so much better. Or even like at the point of the of the, the Hawkeye comic starring the two of them, she already is better than me. Is kind of his attitude to her. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Young Avengers there, Seb. I we talked about this for a while, and something that we thought might be set up in Endgame, it wasn't. And looking at this slate, other than the confirmation of Kate Bishop, it doesn't really feel like that's the direction we're going in, does it? No, there's nope. there's nothing else on the table that points in that direction. Um, I, th- I I almost wonder if we if because I don't think they're just gonna do at the end of Phase 4, an Avengers movie, right? It's not going to just be called The Avengers. I think it's going to be called New Avengers. New (laughs) Avengers, or or I wonder even Dark Avengers, you know, whether they they take more like kind of like a a gritty approach to it. I think Secret Avengers Avengers is more likely. I think New Avengers, probably. Secret Avengers, maybe. Dark Avengers, probably not, because that's a very specific concept. Well, yeah, but in in name, kind of, rather than... You know what Marvel likes to do. Yeah, I don't know. These characters don't don't strike me as dark. They do strike me as secret. <laughs> okay, well let's um let's move on to the final uh title on the phase four slate with a release date. And this is Thor Love and Thunder. Amazing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the thing that's good about this title, right, is that it Everything. puts to shame all the people who just call their franchise things like Resident Evil Apocalypse. Or like... X-Men Apocalypse. X-Men Apocalypse. I mean, at least that's a character, right? But you get things like I mean, Retribution or Revolution, and it's like... Or, let me throw one at you, Thor, The Dark World. <laughs> For example, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other titles, the Shang-Chi and Doctor Strange titles, made me go, no film in these in this series should be allowed to be called character name colon subtitle ever again <laughs> but i'll make an exception for this one because it's so good i mean all of them though they're like they're weirdly like evocative and pulpy yeah. and fun in a way that movie titles like... have not been for a long time it's like even you know what's the jurassic jurassic world sequel called fallen oh. kingdom Fallen just, Kingdom is so meaningless. Just it's utterly, like it bears no relation to the film yeah. whatsoever. Like, but there's a, what's the new I mean, Terminator there's... called? Dark Fate. 
<laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, that looks like it might be a decent. Yeah, film, it looks like a good like, film, but what a pity yeah. <laughs> waste of a title. Like I genuinely could not might tell be you one that of the that better. was a new one compared with the previous ones. Like what if you just it? showed me a list of Terminator titles, I would not pick out Dark Fate as the new one. <laughs> well, what was it? It was Salvation for Four. Genesis five, Genesis, Genesis. Yeah. Oh god, that's the worst. Yeah, Dark Fate might be the best uh, Terminator subtitle. I mean, Judgment Day is pretty good. Is good. No, Rise of Fall of. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to try harder. But yeah, yeah. Thor: Love and Thunder, which just right. uh, you you, ju- you can just imagine Taika Waititi walking into the room and saying that you know signing his contract and walking out i mean the thing is you can imagine him saying that and a bunch of like 10 years ago they would have gone like "Mm, but now they're just like fuck it we can do what we want like we're marvel people will see it anyway let's have some fun there's a vibe to this slate as well that kind of that kind of feels like that like well we did it guys thanos is done we were building up to that for seven eight years it's Finished. The purple guy's gone. We can just kind of throw the shackles off and have a bit of fun here. Like everything feels like while it's tied up in in the idea of a Marvel universe, it's uh, all of these titles to me say these are movies that are doing their own things. They don't feel like they're in service of the movie that's coming mm-hmm. two movies down the line. Yep. That like that Thor: Love and Thunder sounds like a Thor movie that is existing to be. <laughs> I mean, it a sounds Thor like a Meatloaf album, but. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? None of, none of these things feel like, oh, well, that's setting up Captain America Civil War, or that's setting up the next Avengers movie. Yeah, you don't, this you're is... not sitting there thinking like, oh, maybe Love and Thunder will have something about the Kree in it for the Kree scroll. Yeah. War. Or that'll be, in, or that, that's got an Infinity Stone movie written all over it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think, I think this is the other crucial thing. Well, and we will talk about Thor, Love and Thunder in a second. But I think previously, and Marvel, you know, Marvel has to sell you on this idea of you need to see every movie because it's all building up to something. It's all getting somewhere. And now that's gone. But what they have in their back pocket now is the Fox properties. And it's like, guys, we'll get, you know, we're going to get to, we're going to be able to do Fantastic Four and Mutants and just, just, just you wait. And so for for the moment, and I, I'm sure there will be hints and stuff, but this does feel like a kind of a return to phase one and phase two of the MCU where yeah. the, the, the wasn't, there wasn't so much of that. Let's, let's grind this towards think, that ultimate story. Yeah. The point is there is no story right now. There just, there isn't, I'm sure they will. I'm sure that by the end of, even by the end of this set of films, we will feel like there is one. We'll, we'll know what the overarching story is we might even know it by the end of the first of them but at this you're right at this exact point in time we are in the position that we were i mean even after iron man there was this is building to the avengers but i think you can take all the way up to the avengers of not knowing what the big overarching plot was we are we are we are in this position where there isn't a big overarching story right now at this moment in time in kevin feige's head there is but Mm. for the rest of us there isn't, and I, that is liberating. It feels to me like more in the short term that the, maybe there are overarching stories, but not for the 
not, it's not it, something no. that everything funnels into. No, I think you'll you'll probably think, feel like, oh, this is what's going over in the magical side of the universe, and this is what's yeah. going off in, in the cosmic side of the universe, and this is what's happening. Yeah, you know, so yeah, like you know, I, like Adam Warlock won't have any effect on Doctor Strange, for example, but he might have an effect on Eternals too, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking. So Thor: Love and Thunder, first of all, amazing title. Second of all, Thor Four was announced last week, just after we recorded. <laughs> I think what will be forever known as the the drunk mini side. Um, In retrospect, it's a good job we didn't waste a load of time speculating yeah. about Thor Four yeah. before SDC because I don't think did any of us expect to get this much significant detail on it. <laughs> no, well, no, because no, this was this was the movie out of all of them. I, I, not just movie of, of all the Marvel projects that we got like significant detail on. I felt anyway, <laughs> um, and yeah, if we just talked about this last week, I mean, we 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 said a few minutes back. I'm sure I said that you know it felt like that maybe this Thor movie wasn't coming as soon as we would have liked because Akira was happening and Psycho Waititi seemed tied to that. Um, <laughs> and because Thor is off with the Guardians of the Galaxy as of the end of Endgame. <laughs> which, that feels like that'll be a first act. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Peter conspiring to boot Thor off of the yeah. ship. <laughs> uh, so the details we got from this, uh, Taika Waititi's back directing, Chris Hemsworth's was back, also back is Tessa Thompson, uh, she has been confirmed as, as you know, the the character that we previously knew but hadn't been revealed yet that she is um, an LGBTQ character in the um, MCU. Yeah. It is being reported that this is officially confirmed because Tessa Thompson made a comment. I have no doubt that it will be the case, but I think, I think she was saying so- it's confirmed by what she said. It's confirmed. Something Feige said pre, uh, like afterwards in one of his interviews was like. I think there was it was something along the lines of that it's like that will actively be Valkyrie's plot in the movie. It's not it's not a nod and a wink to oh this character is is gay. It is Valkyrie's plot in the movie will be to find a queen of Asgard because she is the king of Asgard. And uh, and I hope you all saw my suggestion on Twitter earlier for exactly who that should be. <laughs> who was it? Uh, evidently, Joe didn't. Is it was it Kat Dennings? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> she better be. Back. Oh dear. Right, so this was the the hammer drop, as you will. Um Taika Waititi starts talking about how he was really inspired by Jason Aaron's recent run on Thor, and he loved that they introduced this female version of Thor who was, like, the one who at that point was worthy to wield the hammer. And he was like, and there's only one person that we could think could do that in the MCU. And out rolls Natalie Portman. And I'm sure everyone has seen it at this point, but the image of Taika Waititi kind of gurning and flexing (laughs) his muscle while, while Natalie Portman has this kind of, like... I'm back, bitches, look at her face. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting Mjolnir in the air. It was... It was kind of glorious. And I'm sure there are people listening to this who are like, really? Like, didn't we all decide that Natalie Portman was not good in the MCU? And didn't she kind of, like, 
completely say fuck you to the MCU. And she she has shit talked to them afterwards and, and talks about, you know, why she left the franchise and, and how badly she, how badly kind of like let down she felt I mean, by the, the whole thing process. is like she probably agrees with us, right, when we say, Oh, she was one of the worst things about those two movies. Um she wouldn't you and Seb think that. <laughs> My my argument has always been Natalie Portman is fun in the first Thor movie, but she do, she doesn't really get enough to do, and that movie's not really good enough. And then she checks out in Thor two because yeah, because they she, fired the director I, I, she wanted from under her. Yeah, so and, she didn't want to be I, there, which is fair enough. So it was completely justified. But I don't. I mean, if you go back and watch the, the first Thor movie, mm. I find it hard to I find it hard to walk away from that movie and go like. Natalie Portman's a disaster. She's the worst thing about this. I because I just don't think that's true. I wouldn't say she's the worst thing about it, but I don't think she's like. It's not something you get excited about. You're not like on fire from her performance, especially compared to Kat Dennings, who is great in every scene. <laughs> um, I think Natalie Portman, as an actress, we know is is pretty fantastic, and <laughs> when she wants to be. Well, and and you know what? Does it does it not feel like here? <laughs> here she seems what? to want to be, right? Yeah, and that's here why it I'm feels excited. Like where she wants to be? If they're said... Taika Waititi has has clearly been instrumental in bringing her back, right? It's oh, like whether it was him that went to her and said, "Natalie, I know that some shit went down, but I really, I really want you to come back and do this. There's no one else that can do it." Or whether it was just her kind of seeing that. Oh, they're not doing that same old shit with this franchise anymore, and they still want me. I mean, the thing is, like, Natalie Portman doesn't need the Marvel Universe any more than the Marvel Universe needs Natalie Portman. So the fact no, that they no. are doing this suggests that everyone's properly in for it and wants to be there, and that can only be a good thing. Yeah. So she's going to be Thor in this movie, um, which has annoyed a bunch of bros on the internet you know i've not um, actually seen much backlash i completely believe that it exists from the same people who got oh, like I've... pissy when when thor <laughs> happened like when this happened in the comics I, I i responded to somebody who uh below um varieties tweet about it uh they had said i'll just find the tweets uh because it'd be notifications well you all know that there's no female thor in norse mythology kind of makes you wonder why marvel needs to invent one uh to which i replied i must have missed the bit in norse mythology where the incredible hulk showed up (laughs) fair yeah but yes i mean it, it is quite funny funny but also depressing to see exactly the same pissing and whining play out that we've already had over this exact same character in the comics. But thankfully, yeah. because we've had the comic, we've all got that panel from the comic with her saying, calm thine tits, yeah. in response <laughs> to the pissing and whining. So, Yeah, I mean, it sort of feels like having done it in the comics means that at least there's precedent. So yeah. the kind of nerds who are like, oh, you're like SJWing up the movies can at least... Yeah you know, have to be slightly more inventive with their complaints because, hey, it literally happened in the comics. Like, it is canon. Also, not only did it... Li- like, even then they might go, oh, but it's happened recently under SJW-era Marvel. It happened in 1978, I believe, as well. So, yeah. 
they can fuck off. <laughs> I've, I've got that what if issue. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a what if, but the point is, it's still been in the comics. Yep. <laughs> It it definitely is out there. I mean, I've oh yeah, I'm not I'm not at all suggesting. I want to make it clear. I'm not suggesting it isn't. I'm just saying I haven't actually seen it, which is good because it means I'm following yeah. the right people. I I clicked onto the guy that one of the guys who's been instrumental in the um in the release the Snyder Cut uh, marketing that has been going on at, um around San Diego this week, <laughs> uh, which is just hilarious. Keep, keep uh, spending on- your money. Yeah, what a colossal waste of money. <laughs> and I and I know they've said that like they're doing like they're fundraising for suicide prevention at the same time. Like, maybe put all of your money into that rather than rather than this just pointless effort. But I clicked onto the top of one of these guys, uh th- there was the top tweet on his account. Um and it was and it was well, Marvel have finally lost it. No one's going to be interested anymore. They're rolling out the same old changing characters to what they're not for diversity's sake. Like, hmm. I don't think that's what's happening here. I <laughs> <laughs> don't, really don't think that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, and, you've um, seen the box office for Black Panther, right? I don't think it's diversity's sake that's making that many. But also, it, it like... The amount of times that you have heard throughout the MCU that, oh, it's done for the MCU now. They've gone too far. People don't care anymore because they've got a female character. How much money did that? They all, well, but people won't care soon. How much money did Endgame make? Well, mm, but it, it, it didn't pace quite as well as Infinity War. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny, the, isn't it? That like the, nar- the narrative. the highest film of all time. Like the narrative have always been like, Oh, you know, the wheels are going to come off Marvel if they keep doing this and, like, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Bigger and bigger. And actually, yeah. like, uh, your Spider-Man movie is the one that underperforms slightly. Not even underperforms, but just doesn't doesn't hit the, uh, the same heights. No, not the same heights, but that movie overperformed. Yes, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say, you, you know, you, you look down this slate... Black Widow, female lead. Falcon and Winter Soldier, you've got one black lead there. Eternals looks like a, a very diverse cast. And, and you know, I could say the same about the filmmakers as we're going through this as well. Shang-Chi, Asian lead. One Division, male and female lead. Doctor Strange has added in a, fa- a female lead. Uh, Loki, at the moment, just one white guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what if everybody... Um, Hawkeye... Uh, has added in a female lead and Thor Love and Thunder. The announced cast are Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson playing a gay character and Natalie Portman, who's going to become the fucking superhero. That's, uh, that is, that's what this is. This is going beyond lip service. It's almost as if, it's almost as if like women and, you know, non-white people have money as well. Amazing, yeah. and it's it's also what we've it's said. almost it as would if take... people who aren't those people want to see films about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Like, <laughs> I'm entirely happy to see a, a film about a female superhero. Like, pretty here for female Thor. And there's nothing. There's nothing about any of those things that I just mentioned that feels shoehorned. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, and I, 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 I will be the first one to say when uh, when it feels like it does, like it did in Endgame, when you've got the, the Joe mm. Russo character, and it just rang a little bit false to me. But I, this this I, feels I, like diversity 
across the board. They can still do more. Of course they can still do more. I, I, I wouldn't use the phrase shoehorned or anything like that. I, I feel, and this could be wrong, in the specific case of getting Natalie Portman to play Thor, I don't think they've gone, uh, we want to make the next film be about Jane Foster becoming Thor, let's try and get Natalie Portman. I think the opportunity has arisen based on having Taika Waititi and a softening of relationships with Natalie Portman to go, actually, we can get you back. What can we do with you that's interesting? Let's make Jane Foster Thor. I, I think it, it feels more to I me mean, also, that's that the way it's the worth saying. No, I think it's the other way around. I think okay, they've come... Well, you know, I, I, I don't know, so, you know. <laughs> I would guess that, they've, that Taika Waititi has gone, I would like to do this story. Do you think we can get Natalie Portman? Yeah, back? this is... Okay, this is what I was going to say. It is a Thor story that he's not worthy and that Jane Foster is. And mm. coming out of, of Endgame, like I know that was the, the arc of Endgame was like, oh, I'm still worthy. But actually having, like picking up with a Thor who's still a bit sort of, bit slobby, lost his self-confidence, doesn't think he's worthy anymore. And then having Jane Foster be like, oh, I'm worthy. Like that is, a th- that's the Thor arc. Like that's the point of, um, of when Thor becomes Odin's son instead of Thor in the comics. Like he's no longer worthy. So yeah. it is a Thor story, and it is one that tracks from the end of Endgame. So it does seem to me like they went, well, what what places Thor in after Endgame? Maybe this. Can we get Natalie Portman back? Yes, we can because I'm Taika Waititi, and who wouldn't want to work with me? And I think we've spoken about in the past that it would make it. It's always made sense that Thor would be the franchise that continues on beyond, you know, from the, from those original Avengers. That Thor would be the one that carries on because he still has room left character arc wise. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like they're bringing him back just because, well, let's make another Thor movie because they could make another anyone movie, but they've, they've, they've decided that there's story left to tell there. And yeah, I, I wonder whether, especially with what they've done with him, that, you know, he's lost all of these people. He's now on top of that. He's lost his Avengers buddies, right? Because <laughs> because Steve and Tony are gone. Like he's not he's not buddy buddy with everyone else, is he? And he doesn't have Asgard to protect anymore. So I wonder like whether it's more a case of that he finds himself kind of ambling across the universe without even a purpose. Like he's like, I need to get back in shape, or I need to get ba- I need to get my mojo back. But for what? Because mm-hmm. he didn't seem like whilst. <laughs> That scene at the end of at the end of um, Endgame was him being extremely petty, right? Mm-hmm. With with Peter, um, so that doesn't you you could see how yeah that he would he would lose the worthiness as it were um, to 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 get to Love and Thunder, um, and hopefully they bring back some you know hopefully they do bring back Darcy. Um, I'd like to see Lady Sif back in it. She's still, she's still theoretically <laughs> one of the few alive, people who right? are still alive. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. just glad that they're reuniting the Men in Black International Dream Team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that I'm looking at this image. That is all of the announced Marvel projects, and there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> Which is where we almost left things last night. I messaged James. I was like, "Do you think it's safe to go to bed now?" And James went, "Yeah, you probably can." And I was like, mm, "I might just wait five minutes." Uh, cue Mahershala Ali coming out on stage um, to be announced as Blade 
And Blade I mean, has they... a title card. So this is not Blade <laughs> turning up in a movie. This is a Blade movie arriving at some point post-2021. I mean, that was a magnificent piece of showmanship. Um, to, you know, very... to be Because let, also, let's not forget, and I don't think we need to get into any of them in detail because there's nothing really to say about them. But before that, he said, we haven't had time to talk about Captain yeah. Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, Guardians 3, the Fantastic Four, or Mutants. Yes. Was what he said. And he said, those are all things that we will talk about in future that you've all that you all know have been rumoured, but here's something that you that we don't think anyone has rumoured. And to then, even before you've said anything about Blade, to then say, I'd like to introduce two-time Academy Award winner Mahersha Ali, he comes out on stage with a cap, which probably most people in the room can't see has a Blade logo on it, and then the room goes black and the Blade logo comes up on screen and everyone loses their shit. And that is, Did- you know... That's, Did Kevin Feige good. not say I'd like to bring Cottonmouth out on stage? Is that is not that's not how he phrased it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love that Luke Cage season one now Alfred Woodard and um, Amersha <laughs> Ali have both you know just it, if if ever anything confirmed that all of those Marvel TV shows meant nothing. <laughs> It was this Mahershala Ali cast. I mean, it's good news um, for good news for those characters, right? Because they've still got a chance. Yeah, that you can still, uh, you know, Daredevil. If if you can have Michelle Ali turning up in two different roles, then you could have Daredevil turning back up in the MCU uh, with no re- reference to what happened previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is good news. But yeah, Blade. We whilst all of the stuff we talked about beforehand. All of the extra detail and stuff we got was exciting, um, and you know it, some of those titles and some of the some little casting tidbits, all that kind of stuff, kind of made me to one extent or another excited about all these projects. But I said to you guys at the start, right? Oh, based on based on that screen that they've put up, I'm guessing we're going to hear about X, Y, Z, right? And by and large, we knew about all of those uh, TV shows already because they'd been announced formally. We were pretty sure that Black Widow and Eternals were the movies next year. We were pretty sure that Shang-Chi was the original movie after that. And we were pretty sure we were getting sequels to Doctor Strange and Thor earlier than we were getting sequels to Black Panther, Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy. Just because of, you know, production things Mm -hmm. that that we're aware of because we follow it. So no huge surprises in what turns up on the screen. And then you're right, Seb, he just, like, the, the showmanship of it. The same as when he brought Brie Larson out the other year and she put on the Marvel Studios hat and he's, hat and he's like, here's Carol Danvers, right? It's it's it's, it's fantastic. And <laughs> He did the Steve Mahershala Jobs Ali one more thing, thing. Yes. <laughs> so, the showmanship of it aside, what do you guys think about a new Blade movie in the MCU? Obviously, the casting... <laughs> I, I think we can agree that the casting is pretty great. Yeah, I think... Uh, the only person who's not going to be happy about this is Wesley Snipes, whose take I imagine will be, I can do better than an Oscar winner. <laughs> do you guys watch What We Do in the Shadows? The TV series? Yes. No. Uh, so, uh, um, spoilers for our listeners and my two podcast co-hosts for What We Do in the Shadows. Um, but the TV show, in episode eight, the characters from the TV show, seven or eight, get get like brought on trial and it's like this council of vampires 
And the first vampires you see are the characters from the movie. So it's Taika Waititi <laughs> and Jermaine and Jermaine Clement and the and um, the other guy's name I can't remember. Um, and they're and they're judging them. And then it like it flips the other side of the circle, and it's Tilda Swinton. And you're like, sorry, what? Why is Tilda Swinton here? And why does she look like her only lovers left alive character? <laughs> That's because she's playing her only lover's left alive character. <laughs> and then it flips to the other side of the circle and there's Evan Rachel Wood playing one of her uh playing her character from True Blood. Um <laughs> And it does the, it does it it does this for like and I can't remember everyone that was involved, but lots of famous screen vampires. And then Taika Waititi's very fu- fun vamping like, we couldn't get Ke- where's Kiefer? What about Tom and Brad? <laughs> like just dropping these references to lots of famous vampires, but like the ones that they get to turn up are impressive enough. And then he's like, "Is Wesley here? What about Wesley? Oh yeah, we got him on Skype." And they and they open up a laptop, and Wesley Snipes is there struggling to get on on, on Skype. And one of them goes, "Hang on, that's the that guy's the Daywalker. He hunts us. This is not all right." <laughs> And it's absolutely wonderful. It's one of the best episodes of television that I've seen all year. Um, so I would highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, obviously, pour one out for poor Wesley Snipes, who, yeah, I'm sure is... I, I mean, there were rumours, weren't there, that, that that Marvel could bring back Blade and that it could be Wesley Snipes. But it ain't. And I don't... I, I think that's probably the right decision. Yeah, if only because one of those Blade movies has the word Thundercunt in. You can't point your kids at a film like that. Blade, love and thunder cunts. I, I just want to know if they're going to get um, Danny John Jules back. And, and Parker Posey. And Ryan Reynolds. Chris Christopherson? We need to do some more Blade movies on the podcast, you I mean, guys. this is the impetus for us to do that, right? The problem is, like, as, you, as much as I like this, shown right? utter disinterest in ever covering Blade on the podcast. That's the problem, is that as cool as this announcement is, I just, I, I don't care. Because Blade is fundamentally not interesting to me. I know, I know what you mean, and I don't particularly care about Blade in the slightest. I think it's a pretty big deal that yeah. one oh, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. biggest and most successful and most renowned black actors in Hollywood, like the only one ever to win two Best Actor Oscars, mm-hmm. is leading an MCU film. I, it that's, doesn't I mean, matter that's, that it's That's Blade. not quite right, the facts, but... Isn't it? He's one. He's one to. He won a supporting actor and a and a lead. I think. I mean, that's, that's Cr- winning and, two Oscars, right? No, but not two best actor. And I think Tom Hanks had done that previously. Yeah, okay. Oh no, sorry. He's but he's the only black actor to win. Uh, two to win two Oscars. Yeah. Two. Two, two, uh, two Oscars. acting Oscars. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Like, I, I, actually, no, I completely. No, um, I just. I was no, just but, anticipating the tweets. <laughs> uh, also, no, no. Both of his are best supporting actor. So he's the first one right. to win two in the same category because they're actually both supporting actor. What do you want? He won for Moonlight and Green Book. Want... Oh, and he's technically I, I, I. Hey, what if they brought back Vigo for the Chris Christopherson role, and he could drive him around? <laughs> Doesn't it tell you everything about Green Book that his role is a supporting mm-hmm. role? In that film? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I right, mean the problem. I, the thing James, I was going to say. Is... Your but your disinterest, right, is driven by comics in the same way that your disinterest. In Eternals is driven by comics because I mean to a I, point. I'm sure you said you've said this on the podcast before, though, right? That there aren't there aren't really good Blade comics. No, there are good comics with Blade in, but there are no good Blade comics. And like, 
It's more that there are, the story but there of there are good Blade movies. Hey? They made good. They, I mean, Blade Two is it has a very good reputation. I like Blade One a lot more than you guys, and Blade Three is bad. But the 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 core concept that you have an African American vampire, but he he hunts the other vampires is a is a solid concept. Yeah, but and and, it's not, and set it's not within an the Marvel concept, universe, like vampire who hunts other vampires. Okay, but set within the set within the Marvel universe then adds an interesting wrinkle. And if that's I mean, coming, if nothing else, it puts vampires in the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, <universe. laughs> yeah, and it comes it comes a year after the first pure horror movie in the MCU, apparently. Um, I mean, I was speaking to Lamara earlier. And she was asking me if I thought this was going to be an R-rated movie, and I sort of don't think it will be, which is interesting in itself, because I think a lot of people's perception of Blade is entirely coloured by the Wesley Snipes movies. Hmm. And so they, no, they it see is, Blade that, as like that this is the, action. That is Blade, right? Sorry? That is Blade. Like, people are, yeah, well, exactly. There's not, yeah. ma- there's not many people that are thinking of the comics Blade. Yeah, just me. <laughs> just me. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon as well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to take him out of that context because I don't think this is going to be a a blade who swears. It's not going to be a very violent blade. And I think that's, that's what people are expecting or what people like about the other blade films. So it's going to be interesting to see how that translates to something a bit tamer. I'm not sure though, James. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on that. Because I I don't think we get a, an R rated Marvel movie, not an MCU one, not I agree, not unless it's a Deadpool crossover or something, which could be could be well, a that, thing. But I mean that that's the thing. As soon the thing is right. As soon as they say okay, we're going to make an R rated Marvel movie, what they essentially say is we're going to make one that doesn't make as much money as the others. And Deadpool, they can do that with because they've got two sequels. And they've set up a franchise. There's no reason to start Blade as an R-rated franchise when you could start it as something with wider appeal and make more money. Well, uh, unless they, d- un- unless I mean, all we know is that they're making a Blade movie, right? Well, we don't even know that. It could be a Blade TV series, for all we know. Well, yeah, well, sorry, that's what I mean. We know there's a Blade project, so it could even be a, it could it could even be a Disney Plus thing. I don't think it will be, but I think as Marvel gets bigger and bigger. I mean, this and this is my real hope for what the MCU can do and what it might do with the with the addition of Disney Plus is that every movie, everything they make doesn't have to be an enormous $150 million budgeted movie that if they want to make almost like an indie comedy inside the MCU, I see, they could do it. Like, I see what you're saying. Do you think we'll ever have an R-rated Star Wars movie? Because I think... The way Disney sees Marvel is the same way they see Star Wars, and they're like, mm. "This is a big family franchise. They're not going to put, a, they're not going to risk putting an R-rated movie out under that banner." But it's under the Marvel Studios banner rather than like Star Wars movie come, Star Wars movies come out and they're all called Star Wars colon or whatever episode whatever. They're all they're all Star Star Wars is in the title for everything, right? Yeah. Whereas Marvel, it's I, I feel like there's the opportunity to have different corners. I know I, I still think you're you're right. It's probably more likely to be what you're saying, but I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent. 
I still, I, I think there's a chance. We'll see. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. also excited for Blade. <laughs> I'm excited for everything. Uh, what I wanted to do is, guys, going down that list, what is your most and least anticipated of all those projects? Uh, most probably Thor Love and Thunder. I'm pretty hyped least? for that. Least uh, Eternals. <laughs> I just don't care. I'm never going to care. Uh, exactly the same answers. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I will go most Doctor Strange and least Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've we've all been very on brand there, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, briefly, yes, yeah, Seb, you said that they um, that Kevin Feige also mentioned Guardians three, Black Panther two, Captain Marvel two, Fantastic Four, and Mutants. Um, I would imagine twenty twenty two, you're gonna get Guardians, Black Panther, and Blade. Given that they now announced Blade and that Captain Marvel. Could potentially be twenty twenty three unless they unless they start moving up to four movies a year. I th- I've got to um, say, I think they are going to do that because they've just got too many franchises on the go now. And there's got to be yeah. an Avengers movie at some point in the next three or four years as well. So well, so then twenty twenty three, I feel like that's your end of phase four, and that if you're doing mutants and Fantastic Four and some kind of big event movie that's potentially Avengersy, that's that's your opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, missing from those lists of projects that were given some kind of lip service to were uh, one was Spider Man, which we've talked about already. This that will show up on the, on this slate at some point, but will will be kind of dependent on Sony with that one. The other one is Ant Man. Mm. There's no, mm. there was no mention at all of Ant Man, and for a while now, I kind of feel like the writing has been on the wall for the Ant Man franchise. They've been talking about Peyton Reed. There's been rumors of Peyton Reed potentially doing something being else, the guy, yeah. well, being the guy that does the Fantastic Four project, which would make so much sense given that he apparently had this amazing idea for a Fantastic Four movie back in the 2000s that that fell apart quite late in development um and the the ant-man box office isn't on the level of the rest of them now you don't you're not just gonna usher away paul rudd and go right we're done with that move on so i i I get question to you guys what do you think is more likely that we do get an ant-man sequel but not until maybe 2023 because it's not going to bump those other, those other movies out of the way. Oh, Which, I think... Or does he you, show up in something else? I was going to say, I think if you have Paul Rudd on the books, you do not leave it four years to put out a movie with Paul Rudd in it. Uh, I would suspect that it's a case of where do they... And I say they rather than he, but where, where do Ant-Man and the Wasp fit elsewhere? Where do they make um, sense? I mean, definitely. I well, think next time we if, see them... If, if, is probably going to be the next Avengers movie. I don't know. That's a long time. Yeah. The problem is, is that you look at the list, and the only place that I can think of to fit them is a TV show, which is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because if he's if if Ant Man has become that's, attached to anything else, it's, it's Falcon, Captain America, yeah. and so that's, and thus Falcon. So. That's not happening that fast, though, is it? No. And also, yeah, I just I can't see the character. I can't see. Paul Rudd's Ant Man appearing in a in a TV show like that, unless it's a, it's an Ant Man TV show. So then it's like, well, not, obviously not Shang Chi, not Eternals, um, not Black Panther, not, not Black Panther, not Captain Marvel. 
like maybe Doctor Strange, but that's a that's a weird yeah, yeah it's place, a weird fit, it? right? It's kind of. I mean, multiverse quantum realm. We did mention it earlier. No, but to, but tonally, it, yeah, it, yeah. Is your is your is your horror movie throwing Scott, Scott Lang into it? I mean, if it? if if Doctor Strange two was tonally like the first one, then yeah, because there's a decent amount of comedy in Doctor Strange, but that doesn't sound like the direction they're going in for the second one. So, I think the what the project that makes most sense tonally is Guardians of the Galaxy, right? But narratively, maybe, but but narratively not yeah. in the slightest. The thing is, if they do a Fantastic Four movie, there isn't a place. If they do a fantastic, if they do a Fantastic Four movie, sort of twenty twenty two. I mean, Scott Lang has form associating with the Fantastic Four in various ways, so it could. And if it's Peyton Reed, yeah. Then, so yeah. it would make sense to bring him into that. But whether you, I, yeah, I mean, whether you want to muddy those, those waters and introduce I, the that's what I mean. I kind of think you want those things to be clean. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. the most likely is twenty twenty two coming to Disney Plus is the Ant Man and the Wasp TV mm. show. I mean, I guess it is. It is worth noting that if you wait five years for a Paul Rudd movie, it's not like he's going to age <laughs> in that time. So, <laughs> did you see that that one that face up of him old going around? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I can imagine the joke. <laughs> no, it was actually him put through the face app, and he oh, just right, looked okay. like the most fantastic, slightly older person <laughs> that you could ever imagine. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. I hope there's room for Ant Man and the Wasp. Maybe uh, you know. Maybe it is Disney Plus now, but that feels to me like a waste of Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. I mean, I think they might, because like again, I look at this this slate and think, where's where's my boy War Machine going to turn up? He's not. James well, that's the thing. I, th- I think I think maybe Ant Man and War Machine and the Wasp will be in the next Avengers movie, and that's going to be a big thing. Like, hey, it's those people you like, and they're back. You know, tying the franchise to the previous Avengers movie. Uh, I I don't think you're getting another War Machine, James. Fuck I'm you, sorry. fuck you, Sam. How how <laughs> dare you? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so that is all of the Marvel stuff. Um, let's 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 do it kind of like a greatest hits of the rest of Comic Con because, as I said, it used to be that there was a bit of everything. <laughs> now there's there's a lot of Marvel, and there are at least two things, other things. two other things we can talk about here. Well, we'll um, one of them I'm we'll going to st- swear a lot about. <laughs> we'll start off with the the couple of movie trailers. I'm not even sure whether this first one debuted at Comic Con, but we're going to talk about it anyway. The King's Man. Oh, I the... haven't even watched this. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I I don't think we probably need to dig into it too much because I don't think have any of us watched the Golden Circle. No, the no, King's Man. Also, this by almost everything that everyone said about it. This um as a prequel has sprung entirely from the mind of uh, Michael Vaughn. Matthew Vaughan. Matthew Vaughan. To be fair, I see no issue with Matthew Vaughan taking something loosely inspired by Mark Miller and going completely off in his own direction that doesn't owe anything to Mark Miller. Yeah, completely. Can we, That's not necessarily can we a just, bad thing. Can we just pause for a second? I would like to see what spun out of the mind of Michael Vaughan because <laughs> James, I think James, you've just you don't know what you've done there. I think you've just referenced cricket, James. Oh no, I was I was thinking of the character from Alias. <laughs> of course you were. Um yeah, um the trailer for this I thought was was pretty good. And then you look at the cast. Ray Fiennes, Charles Dance, Gemma Arterton, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Reese Fans, um Stanley Tucci, Matthew Good. Um, it goes on. Alison Stedman, Tom Hollander, uh, Daniel Brühl is in there. Jamon Hounsou's who's got uh, got quite a major role in the trailer. Um, uh, Alexandra Maria Lara reuniting her with um, uh, Daniel Brühl from Rush. Oh, well, there we go. So uh, yeah, this uh, it, it's a prequel. Uh, it it starts off with like some wartime action, and then. I guess if you didn't know it was a Kingsman trailer going in, you'd be like, what is this? What's this period movie with Ray Fiennes that looks like it's got quite like a modern approach to its action? I've like visually it's got, it's definitely got a Wonder Woman vibe. That kind of, you know, like slick World War One crisp photography. Um, and then yeah, the, the, the reveal at the end is Ray Fiennes bringing this young kid to the, the Kingsman tailors. I think I'm in for this, guys. It, it looks, um, it looked like Kingsman with a bit of class. I do, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Taron Egerton, but Ray Fiennes doing that kind of stuff? Yes, please. I'm just looking, I find it interesting that it's not, it's by a writer who I don't recognise, who doesn't seem to have worked with Matthew Vaughan before. Um, <laughs> I don't know, who who wrote the second one? Was it Goldman and Vaughan again? Oh, Seb. Goldman doesn't normally do sequels, does she? You're, ask, you're asking me to Google something here. <laughs> I, I assume the, fir- the first one must have been... Yeah, first one was Goldman and Vaughan. Second one was Goldman and Vaughan. Okay. But this one is not. So that's... Is that interesting? I don't know. 
<laughs> I get. I guess because right. If you look at it, if you look at the fact that it's not written by the same people and it um, it has none of the original cast, it feels like a, a secondary one. So the fact that Matthew Vaughan is actually directing it, I think, is interesting because it's like not completely secondary. <laughs> But I, 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 having not watched the trailer and having not watched the second film, I, I don't really have anything to say about this. Other than that, I do find it quite interesting that, given the noise around Kickass when the first one came out, the fact that Kingsman or well, you know, Secret Service as it was, which was a single six-issue miniseries that Miller has never gone back to in any way, shape, or form, has become the most successful Mark Miller franchise, is mildly interesting. Yeah, and I think this trailer is mildly interesting as well. He's certainly he's certainly got a good cast, and um, I I think they're still saying they're going to do a Kingsman three, but that this is coming mm. first. So let's see what happens with that. But uh, I thought it was a pretty solid trailer. The other movie trailer that Seb you wanted to talk about was the Jay and Silent reboot. Sorry, Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer. Um, I, uh, Seb, I think we probably got something in common here that when we were younger. Uh, we probably wore out DVD copies of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back because that kind of that movie hit me at an age where I was there. For <laughs> I think you've vastly I mean, overestimated how young Seb and I are because <laughs> yeah, the DVD I wore out was the VHS copy of More Rats that I pirated yeah, exactly. from the video <laughs> shop. <laughs> well, I see. I I actually I got into uh, the Kevin Smith. Because Jane Silent Bob Strike Back came out in two thousand and one, didn't it? Yeah. I had I, I knew about Clerks and I'd heard people talk about Mole Rats, but I didn't properly get into Kevin Smith until two thousand. So actually, around about the same time as you, Joe, but I was yeah. older. Um, and I got completely into all of the films, and then Jane Silent Bob Strike Back came out in two thousand and one, and was perfectly timed because here is the film that is the payoff to all the previous <laughs> ones and is full of a load of gags about the previous yeah, see, the one. Whereas, the one I whereas for me, sorry, for me, Jay and Silent Bob was the route into Kevin I Smith. Used to, I think we've talked about this before and I can't imagine that film being a way in yeah. <laughs> because like, I, the, thing, the thing about Strike Back is that I think I think there are basically three kinds of joke in it and they back then and now they work to different degrees. So there are... There's it just trying to be a comedy, like an early 2000s, you know, kind of raunchy comedy. Um, there's the jokes about Hollywood and the kind of Hollywood satire, and there are the jokes about Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith's films. Now, the joke about Kevin, the jokes about the Viewers Universe were good then if you liked the if you liked Kevin Smith films and still stand up now. The stuff about trying to just be a comedy is the stuff where the film mostly falls down when it's just trying to make jokes in its own right. I don't think it's that good. The stuff that's the Hollywood is the stuff that I remember the most about the film. And so, you know, the scenes with people like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Gus Van Sant and (laughs) people like that. Chris Rock. Are the funniest, yeah, are the funniest stuff in the film. And and the the stuff that I think has dated the best. And the reason why this is relevant to our interests is that the the center, for anyone who hasn't seen Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, the central crux of that movie is that it is it which which is the movie where the comic creator it, it's okay so chasing, chasing, chasing Amy, Amy? Yeah. so in Please. chasing Amy yeah. we learned that there are, <laughs> there are comic book characters called Bluntman and Chronic yeah. who were based on Jay and Silent Bob because their creators Holden and Banky are friends with Jay and Silent Bob so they created these stoner superheroes called Bluntman and Chronic basing yeah. them on Jay and Silent Bob and there's a there's a scene about that in Chasing Amy 
And then in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, the premise is there is a, a Hollywood movie starring James Van Der Beek and Jason Biggs <laughs> of Blunt Man and Chronic. And Jane and Silent Bob are annoyed because Holden shows them that on the internet everyone's bad mouthing it, and they yeah. don't like the idea that people will be bad mouthing them because the movie is based on them. So they go to Hollywood to stop it getting made. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's that it becomes then like a Stoner Road movie. Yeah, but it, but ends with them in Hollywood on the set of the movie. Yeah, um, and. Um, and and, and I, I actually think it's the, I think it's surprisingly dated better than some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a great movie. Looking back, I mean, you're right that a lot <laughs> of the actual comedy of the movie is is not great, and like the in jokes are like the real in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you like, have to be a proper like Kevin Smith nerd to get a lot of the references. Yeah, and so I went back after that and watched watched all the rest. I think I probably or maybe. I'd, Maybe I'd seen Clerks, I don't know, but I would have been like twelve, thirteen at this point. So, but yeah, I got the I got <laughs> the James Bond Bob DVD, <laughs> um, and yeah, and the 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 crux of the reboot is that they are rebooting the Blunt Man and Chronic movie. This time, um, Val Kilmer is <laughs> is kind of rep- reprising he's blunt man right he's blunt man yeah <laughs> yeah because he's bat so he's like a batman version of blunt man yeah. and melissa melissa i know i was saying person i'm wrong but so i'll just say benoist but i'll know it's wrong melissa benoist maybe um who plays supergirl is now a gender flipped version of chronic yeah um, and then all of the kind of the people who cameoed in the first movie are in the trailer for this, including, including, <laughs> including Batman himself, yeah. Ben Affleck. <laughs> well, I mean, and and significantly again for those who are like fans of Kevin Smith and who followed this kind of thing, Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck fell out about ten years ago, and like like probably the last thing they did together must have been when Affleck was in Clerks Two. Yeah, he had his. Uh, he was supposed to be a. a a silent cameo and he upgraded himself to having lines yeah. <laughs> did they uh, fall out because of jersey Girl i mean it's, what, it's hard to say no, i think what they happened. fell out because of well the the, the rumor is that uh, jennifer garner did not get on with kevin smith so they just sort of drifted apart yeah i was gonna say i don't think they i don't think they fell out specifically certainly yeah. they stopped hanging out and also every time kevin smith mentioned ben affleck there were like 10 negative news stories about it so you can imagine yeah. they probably weren't best mates for a while but, yeah, but him well, turning up for this like vanity project of Kevin Smith is actually a big deal in that in that circle. And it yeah. must it can't be understated how much of a vanity project this <laughs> is and will be. I mean the tra- it's the fact that the trailer features one example, and there will no doubt be lots more, of a basically word for word remake of a scene from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is the bit in the trailer where they're in the comic shop with Jason Lee and he's explaining that there's a reboot and it is like it's word for word what he says to them. Yeah, because the, the plot of this movie is that movie. they're remaking the movie and they're going to stop the remake being made. Yeah. yeah. And, but also I mean, the plot of the movie is Jay has a daughter. <laughs> yes, played by Harley Quinn Smith. Yes. Kevin Smith's daughter. So um, it feels to me like what I said about those three types of joke in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back will almost certainly all be true of this one in that everything in the trailer that doesn't look like it's a joke about Hollywood or Kevin Smith films looks bad to me. <laughs> but uh, I think I will enjoy pretty much everything else that it does in terms of being a massively self-indulgent trip yeah. through his career. And I would encourage anyone to go on to um, 
IMDb and see some of the other names that are in this movie. Chris Hemsworth gets a cameo in the trailer. Matt Damon get cameos in the trailer as he did the first time around. Um, now, uh, Joe Manganiello, Rosario Dawson, obviously a Kevin Smith person, Justin Long, Joey Lauren Adams, uh, Jason Biggs and, um, James Vanderbeek are back in the trailer mm-hmm. as the original, the original people who played Blunt Man and Chronic. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon Elizabeth's um, back. Uh, yeah, Shannon Elizabeth, you've got Tom Kavanagh, um, and, uh, Carlos Valdez, so the Supergirl castmates in there as well. Craig because Robinson. directed multiple episodes of it. <laughs> yes, and, and that's the link through to getting, to getting Melissa Benaris in there. Uh, Method Man, um, Chong from Cheech and Chong. Is, <laughs> uh, is Fred Anderson in there. In the, in yes. The um, Chris David Jericho. David Dastachian as well. He just yeah. keeps popping up in things now. I mean, it, it's worth pointing out, right, that Kevin Smith hasn't made a good film in a long time. <laughs> no. Like, they've all been pretty terrible since Clerks 2, right? Is that the last good yeah, I liked Zach. I like Zack and Miri. But, oh, I hate Zach and Miri. Yeah. <laughs> Zach and Miri, Zach and Miri time, maybe. I probably wouldn't enjoy it if I went back. Since it. then, uh, definitely I'll, not great. I'll be honest, I, I, I checked out for Tuscan Yoga Hoses, but um, mm. Red State was in, was like flawed, but at least Kevin Smith showing some ambition. But yeah, I, I mean, I would say Kevin Smith hasn't made anything resembling a good movie since Jane's Silent Bob's Trade yeah, Back. So I'm, <laughs> sort of, I'm sort of expecting I like this Clip. to be... Maybe two and a half stars at best, but I think my <laughs> nonsense. Is but you'll, you'll kind of enjoy yourself. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's the same as Clerks too. I don't think I would show Clerks two to anyone who wasn't a Kevin Smith fan and go, "This is a good film in its own right." I enjoyed it for all the reasons that I expect to enjoy this one. Yeah. So that was the Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer. Uh, we'll talk now about the TV stuff. Uh, just I don't, I don't think we need to discuss this because we talked to, uh, enough about it recently. But the boys has indeed been renewed for season two. That was announced at um, at Comic Con as expected, and as you said, Seb, it will get no marketing and yeah. then be cancelled. Been renewed for uh, its second and final season. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the kind of the main shared universe that got time at. Comic-Con was, other than the MCU, was the CW Flash Arrowverse. Um, and there was there's lots of little details there. I think none of us watch any of those shows yeah. regularly anymore. The, is that like, fair? the fact is, we're all adults who have a lot of responsibilities, and it's, to it keep is, up with the CW, you have to make thing. it a full-time job. Yeah, I mean, like I watched, like, four or five seasons of Arrow, and I heard people say it got good, and I do want to catch up on it to hear when it, you know, when it got really good again. But there's just just the time commitment to get there is so large. Like I even I like I fell half a season behind on Flash and Supergirl, and I went, "That's twenty four hours of TV." Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have the time. I've got a I've got a like nineties fifties musical to watch instead. Um, so that's why I invest my time in instead. But um, I still kind of pay attention to the news. We won't go through everything. Um, but I think some of the some of the headlines is that Hush will be the villain in Batwoman. Um, that Supergirl's got a new suit and she has pants now. And um, oh well, I mean in America they call them pants, and Supergirl is from. America. Are we in America? Yes, but you're not. <laughs> I call them pants, and do you know why? And I'll say, I'll say this to every British listener who thinks that they're right when they say pants. If they're not pants, why do we call them underpants? I mean, what, are they under? what you're arguing here is that language shouldn't change ever. 
If you want to start no, complaining arguing... about the inconsistency of the English language, you're going to be here all day. And I mean, no, me and Seb are definitely here for that argument, but I don't think you will be. <laughs> in this in this scenario, America got it right. <laughs> no, because you can you can put a, a modifying like you like just they are pants that go under something. It doesn't mean that there has to be a type yes, of pants correct. that isn't underpants. No, you wear them under your pants. No, it's just a descriptive. No, you wear them under your trousers. <laughs> anyway, you don't wear you don't wear underoos under your roos, right? Exactly. Case closed. Well. The- well, that's a nonsense word, <laughs> America. <laughs> um, so yeah, Supergirl with the pants and <laughs> and the trousers, uh, and, so, and then the 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 thing that Seb really wanted to talk about, which came out in like in, in like two there was two stages to this news story, right? Number one is that Brandon Ralph would be reprising his role of Superman in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which Seb, I think you and a lot of people online were really excited about because this is the only opportunity we're ever going to get to see Brandon Routh play Superman again. And mm. whilst that movie made by that criminal has its problems, <laughs> um, it, it the, the one thing that I think a lot of people agreed on was we like Brandon Routh. Yeah, he he is not anything that's wrong with that film at all. Um, and there was he, a lot of affection for him when when he, he showed costume, up in this. But... Yeah, which he won't be wearing again. Um, it, he he turned up in when he turned up in the Arrow universe. I think we all went like, oh, isn't that nice? Because there was like a lot of goodwill towards him. Yeah, that he had kind of been badly done by by how that movie he is. Had he is one of these people that, from everything you see about him, he's really hard to dislike. Um, he just seems. A good egg, really? Yeah. And so good for Superman. Not like Dean Cain. <laughs> <laughs> so that's phase one of this piece of news. Uh, then he's on stage and they talk about that he's going to be reprising his role as Superman. Tyler Hecklin's also going to be playing his CW version of Superman in this. If I haven't mentioned already, sorry, this is in next season's Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. Tyler Hecklin's going to be playing his CW version of Superman in this as well. And then they said there, there was like some bit that they were doing on stage were like, oh, Brandon, I think it'd be really tough to get your suit back. Maybe you'll have to wear something else. And he rips open his shirt and has a Superman t-shirt on underneath. But Seb, that Superman logo is a very specific <laughs> Superman logo. Well, okay, there's kind of two things to say about this then. So yes, the Superman logo that he that is on that t-shirt is a logo that I think many Superman fans own in, in t-shirt form, uh, which is the Kingdom Come. Superman logo. Now, have I ever got you to read Kingdom Come in recommendations on the podcast before? I feel like I would have done. Yes. Yeah. So, but, Kingdom... I, but I, I think it is worth re. Just, I'll, just I'll go briefly through it touch again. on it, but I'll, I'll explain why I'm only briefly touching on it in a minute. So, Kingdom Come is a '90s kind of alternate future four-issue series set in a future of the DC universe where heroes have become darker and more violent, and Superman has retired, but an event brings him out of retirement, and it's about the clash between kind of Superman's old-fashioned heroics and um, modern grim and gritty heroics. Uh, also with an with an element of Superman struggling to control things and sort of making certain decisions in terms of how to try and control what's going on in the world. Uh, it's a really good series, a really good comic. Um, so in that series, this is a Superman who is older, he's kind of greying at the temples, and he wears a darker blue costume with an S shield that is a simplified S on a black background. And the reason for that is it's a tribute to the fact that... Um, uh, the Joker uh, killed 
a lot of people when he went to Metropolis, uh, including uh, Lois Lane and the various staff of the Daily Planet. And then um, basically the event that brings him out of retirement is a nuclear disaster in Kansas. Um, So I think it's kind of partly in response to that as well. So it's a kind of, you know, it's a Superman in, in mourning sort of logo. So... It's it's a it's an iconic piece of imagery, and it basically says to everyone, Brandon Routh is going to be playing the Kingdom Come Superman in Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't think he is. <laughs> basically, what what do you think, Seth? <laughs> right. So the reason why I don't think he is is that in order to do that, you've got to explain Kingdom Come, and I don't think the show will do that. In Crisis on Infinite Earths, there are two Supermen because part of the premise of Crisis on Infinite Earths is that they were getting rid of the concept of Earth 1 and Earth 2 and all of the other Earths. And the key part of the Earth 1 and Earth 2 concept is Earth 1 is where the younger Silver Age Superman lives and Earth 2 is where the original Golden Age Superman who was allowed to grow older and who married Lois and became editor of the Daily Planet lives. Both of those Supermen are major characters in crisis on infinite earths but really you can boil that down to there is a younger superman and an older superman you don't need to know really where they come from and one of the ways that they're marked out from each other is that the older superman has a different s shield it's not the kingdom come s but it's a kind of it's it's more obviously an s in a triangle than it's the 19 the 1940s one right exactly but uh, why would why I, would Brandon Ralph be showing the because the nineteen forties one looks a bit lame and, and because rubbish. it looks shit yeah and there's even a, there's even a line where someone comments to like they're on they're on what is now the combined Earth and someone says to Earth two Superman or he will rather says to Earth one Superman hey I like your friend's Superman costume but didn't he get the S shield all wrong um, I think that basically all they're doing is Brandon Ralph is playing a Superman from another Earth who is older. And they're just giving him the Kingdom Come S because that's a nice shorthand for this is a different and older version of Superman. That's so call in the Kingdom Come Superman if you want. I just don't think they'll be getting into that aspect of the character in this. If series. nothing else, if they leave it on the table, they can do Kingdom Come as their crossover next year. Yeah. <laughs> do you not think? Do you not think that they can just kind of like rather than getting into it just have like one scene of exposition when he turns I mean, up they saying, could. yeah on my, on my earth this happened i, th- blah, I think blah, 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 I, yeah blah. i think my point is i don't think it's as specific as he is this yeah. very specific version of superman i think he will probably be similar to the kingdom come superman in some ways but and and especially judging by how these tv shows tend to do these things I don't think it's it's the case that he's playing that very specific version of the character. I think he's playing an alternate version of Superman who in some ways is inspired by Kingdom Come, might have elements of something like Injustice or the Batman Beyond version of Superman or that which actually has a Batman Beyond's version of Superman has a black and white costume that's very similar that's got a similar S shield to Kingdom Come as well. Do, so, do you equally uh, think that he is not playing an older version of his movie Superman? No. Not a chance. No. <laughs> because of the singer of it all or that wouldn't be the only reason, but it could be a reason. But again, I think I think for reasons of complication, no. I, I don't I don't think he's I think he's just he's Brandon Routh. He's played Superman, he looks like Superman. It would uh, it would um, be kind of exciting though if they if they took the Brandon Ruth version to be like the the Reeves version. And he's like the original screen Superman. Well, I mean, I think I think that's part of the thing is that it. I think it's too complicated a question to raise to say 
Because if you're saying that he is <laughs> Brandon, that yeah. movie version, he is technically the Christopher Reeve version as well. Yes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's too big a question to open up for something like this. <laughs> Certainly for the so CW. I don't yeah. Think they will. yeah, exactly. Right, guys, oh, watch, Watchmen trailer. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the Watchmen trailer. Speaking of things that aren't fun and exciting, can I tell you my favourite thing about the Watchmen trailer? It's the bit where they play Life on Mars by David Bowie because of Dr. Manhattan. And when it sing- when David Bowie sings about the lawman beating up the wrong guy, it has police beating people up. It's so clever, you guys. <laughs> you know, twice in the same day, I saw people playing David Bowie music over a thing to try and get an emotional reaction out of me. And neither time James, did it work, because unlike, <laughs> you know, unlike lots of no people... One was- I don't really no one care about David Bowie. Was trying to get an emotional reaction out of you. <laughs> Just ever since he died, there's this shorthand of like, "Oh, let's play David Bowie because everyone likes David Bowie." Um, I, I, I don't think we need to relitigate this. I don't think there's anything wrong with this trailer at all. I, I don't think it looks crap. Just yeah, <laughs> even from the perspective of someone who doesn't like find the existence of it abhorrent. Just what's interesting about this is so heavy-handed. I think. That's, I think- I just, I can't, well, I was going to say I can't see what it's about. I think the thing is, no, I can see what it's about, and it all seems incredibly surface and just, like, I, it's just, and I don't see why any of what it does has to be Watchmen or have any relation to Watchmen. I'm going to say one positive thing, which I did already say on Twitter, which is that while I don't think that anyone should ever make something that has an older, after the events of Watchmen, Adrian Veidt in it, just from those bits in the trailer, Jeremy Irons is a spectacularly good bit of casting for that for an older version of that character. Even though I don't think the character should exist, that's good casting, and he looks great and looks right. But that's about I just the only I, thing I, take I could not be less interested in this. I mean, I, I, nothing sums it up for me more than the bit where they so cleverly show in the background a, a wall with pictures of previous presidents, and one of them is Robert Redford. I mean, well done. You picked out a joke in Watchmen and, like, just bludgeoned. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! They've been they've they're paying attention to the source material that they're adapting. How awful, guys! No, if not, this they're, it's, they're it's, it's... Pay, no Joe, they're not paying attention to the source material they're adapting because if they paid attention to the source material they were adapting, they would not be doing a fucking sequel to it. <laughs> I don't. I, I, so this show could still turn out to be rubbish, but like when you're saying like, "Oh, I go see this trailer and I can see what it's trying to be about," but I don't know what depth they have to it. It's because it's a trailer. It's a trailer for a thing. You're not watching the. You're not watching the TV show that they've made. It is there is there is no way on earth that either of you two would ever watch this show, and even if it was great, think that it was great, and that's fine. But I just, I think every time we talk about this, it's like, what can we find to not like about it this time? And it's, it's like, Joe, it's just this was a show. you during Far From Home. A, a thing that I had seen. <laughs> a thing that I've I had experienced. Just, like okay, genu- like, genuinely, right. from the perspective yeah, tell, of tell someone who, who does like Damon Lindelof and has previously expressed interest in the show... What gets you hyped for this? Because it looks to me like a Bad Heroes reboot. I don't think... Uh, nothing about it said Heroes to me. What What about it says Heroes? Just the fact that it's a bunch of off-brand superheroes, like, 
prattling about and going like, "Ooh, they hate and fear us, but maybe they should." I, I, from to me, it looks like it is it is a show that is trying to grapple with modern political arguments around law enforcement, around uh, about around racial identity. Okay, so um, just quickly, what about that has anything to do with Watchmen? No, but we've we've had this argument uh, argument previously, right? It doesn't. It, that doesn't matter to me because I don't care that they're adapting Watchmen. What I care about is that Damon Lindelof has chosen to adapt it and this is what he is doing with it. Now, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like the, the thing that you two keep coming back to, which is like, why does it have to be Watchmen? As far as I'm concerned, it is Watchmen. So we can move on from that argument because they've already done it. The thing is, like, they've, so now- they've clearly moved it on from Watchmen which means it makes even less sense to tie it. Like, again, we don't have to do the full story, but Alan Moore was originally going to do the story of Watchmen with pre-existing superheroes and, for various reasons, created his own ones instead. Why not just do that? What? Like, why? Because this one can make more money. (sighs) I, I, I want to know how Laurie goes from living in witness protection under a false name to becoming an FBI agent calling herself Laurie Blake. I'm intrigued by that one. You might find out, Seth. <laughs> I won't, because I won't watch it. I might not even end up watching this, because if the, re- if the reviews come out and people say it's rubbish, that's what I do with TV. I go, oh, that's a shame, and I won't watch. But I just, again, there's no- nothing that I've seen from any trailers or promotional material have said to me, this looks like a bad show. Well, the, it, I mean, I, I mean, I, I joked about the David Bowie thing, but genuinely, that's that's what made me think this looks really ham-fisted because it's like if that's the level on which you have decided to be clever and artistic, I I, I don't hold out much hope for the show being cleverer than that. I mean, the thing that I will say, and I'll keep coming back to, is this is Damon Lindelof coming off one of the most commercial, the most critically successful. TV shows of the past decade, right? That's that should be enough to give the show some good faith. And if the if the fact that it's a Watchmen show is wiped out for you, then fine. But uh, yeah, a, 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 mu- a music a music choice in a trailer doesn't make me go okay. But the, sh- but, the but show what, will be bad. And what, also, what, I don't no, no, what, I don't have a, pro- I don't have a problem with it. Looks interesting. What, got- what is interesting about this setup of? Oh, so cops cops are wearing masks to protect their identities, so they can go around and commit violence. And then there are other people wearing masks who are fighting with cops. It, I just don't see what's interesting about the premise that they've set up. I mean, I I don't really think that we know that much about the premise. I think that there's a that it's a lot that's been shrouded, right? Doesn't that make think... it a bad trailer though? Because <laughs> we watch it and go, I don't really know what's going on here, but the thing that is, I'm not interested in. No, the, the the trailer to me was like, this is a Watchmen show that is finally showing some Watchmen elements. So it's communicated that. It's it's communicated that sense of era again through the through the music choice. It, you know, it, it's trying to get you to feel Watchmen-y. It's showing you all of the 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 very good actors that it has cast. And I and I think the Life on Mars choice, if you've got a character who is on Mars, and then you've also got that other line that ties in neatly. 
it's so, the what? most fucking cliche and obvious thing you could think of and you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. No, just yeah. a, not in marketing. <laughs> Maybe in the, if that if that happened if that was a montage in the show, I would agree with you. But in the trailer that's trying to get people to pay attention, fine. Also, Life, but, Life on Mars doesn't give it a sense of era because Watchmen's set in 1986. This is set after Watchmen, and Life on Mars is from 1971. So no, but it's like it's like the times they are a changing at the start of the movie, right? That's not that's not from the era, but it's it it evokes a sense of of that story <laughs> of the general past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they could anyway. just use any old record on it, is what you're saying. I can't believe we're arguing about this again for a show that you're never going to watch. It's, oh, it's we, uh, rare, right? It's rare that I say I hope something is shit and it fails, but I hope this is shit and it fails. <laughs> I hope it's really good and this becomes something that, that like, because when people are talking about Watchmen, they think, people think, oh, the TV show. Just, be, just the, thing, the stupid angry, thing is, just because like, of how angry it I don't, I don't even <laughs> like Watchmen that much. I think it's fine. I think it's really technically and formally interesting. I don't love it in the way that I love like Sandman or the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or X-Men. I just, I find everything about the treatment of the property by the people who essentially stole it from Alan Moore fucking abhorrent. And I'm never going to get past that. Just never. It's never going to happen. Everything will fall into the public domain eventually, James. (sighs) Apart from Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Apart from Mickey Mouse. Okay, final thing. The Snowpiercer trailer. Um, <laughs> Why do we end I mean, on the two bad ones? We should have had something okay. good. <laughs> Take everything I just said about the Watchmen trailer and apply it. To <laughs> We've been really trailer. positive Probably. for like two hours. <laughs> this is why I wanted to do the bad stuff first, but yeah. Um, I think the thing with Snowpiercer, I would have more time for it if it looked like it was doing something different and interesting expanding upon the concept of the film using that time prior to when the film is set and doing something that thematically resonates with what the film was doing instead what they seem to be doing is remaking the film set earlier in the timeline badly with just like i mean okay jennifer connelly i like jennifer connelly they've obviously added her as a new character who doesn't have anything in the film the fact that they have got an actress playing tilda swinton's character doing Tilda Swinton's accent mm. and recreating the arm in the ice scene, that, above anything else, just makes me go, I've got no interest in seeing a bad cover version of Snowpiercer. That was the only thing in the trailer that... Because uh, otherwise, I kind of let it and went, yeah, Jennifer Connelly and David Diggs, two very good leads there. It kind of looks like they're doing Snowpiercer again. Fine. But the the that when I heard her actually doing the voice, I was like, "Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, you're that doing Snowpiercer again." <laughs> yeah, you're you're literally ad- you're adapting the movie then, but yeah. setting but setting it earlier and. I mean, it's and, weird, and, and right? Because we out. talked about before how the movie actually isn't that much to do with the with the original comic, and mm-hmm. it's sort of strongly authored. In that it feels like the the choices came from the director, and so this is a sort of bad imitation of someone else's attempt to make sense and tell a story with a franchise that you know was just not about the thing that the the movie was about initially. They could have done anything Again, with this. 
Mm. Why you try and do what a... someone else did with it? Yeah, I don't think it's a bad trailer. It's just kind of confirming that they've taken the less interesting adaptation route. And I, 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 I think for me, this is kind of coloured by all of the, the, the mess in the background with Scott Derrickson directing and then not, and kind of what he implied wasn't, didn't strike you as this is a, this is a show that is. I, I don't know. It's also coming from TNT. It's not coming. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just. So it, it's not it, even a prestige drama. <laughs> it, it just all. Well, there's a. So how much budget is it going to get? I mean, to how be fair, the support? effects look all right. Well, that's the thing. It looks like the only thing it's done is to go, right, what can we improve on from the movie? Well, the effects of the train weren't very good, yeah. so let's have lots of good shots of the train. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it might be okay, but I just think it's not. It's probably not the... It just, it just feels like they've made a bad decision to invite direct comparison with the movie, which is so... Like, anyone who likes the movie will like the movie because... It's so distinct that what it's doing now. Admittedly, this TV show isn't aimed at people who like the movie because it's a foreign language. Yeah, I was going to say it feels like this TV show is aimed at people who won't watch the movie because it's a foreign language movie. Yeah, but I just think I just think do something more interesting. And you know, nothing nothing personal against the actress who they've cast to play that character. But why would anyone ever think that they can adequately fill in for Tilda Swinton? Yeah, so I I think probably the difference between for me Snowpiercer and um, Watchmen will be, you know, someone would have to tell me that Snowpiercer's really good for me to watch it, whereas someone would have to tell me that Watchmen's really bad for me not to watch it. <laughs> I mean, the, it's interesting actually that I think I would almost give the opposite criticisms for this trailer for what I just did for Watchmen, which is you know I just I don't think anyone should be doing new Watchmen stuff. What I will at least give Watchmen credit for is that if you've got over that hurdle of thinking that you should do it, at least what you should do is completely your own thing. Um, I don't think... I mean, it just... As again, putting aside... Sorry, I have come back to Watchmen. Putting aside the stuff about the objections to it, I just don't think that that trailer looks thematically or narratively interesting in the slightest, but at least it is doing something different. The Snowpiercer trailer, I don't think looks thematically or narratively interesting and is just doing the same thing as something that we know will have done it better. So that's the downer at the end of the podcast. (laughs) Let's talk about Star Trek again because that looks great. It's not no, a comic book, James. Uh, let's talk about Top comics. Gun again, because that looks great. There are no Top Gun comics. <laughs> I mean, you um, did let me do Bill and Ted on the last episode. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was Comic-Con 2019. We've been talking about that for two and a half hours, and we need Pretty to go enough. to bed. We were going to do an hour so... and a half on that. <laughs> so, right, we're going to now again get on to our, our movie discussion, yeah? Yes, yeah, so now we'll move on to our discussion of The Matrix. Um, no, we'll do we'll do that next week. <laughs> Uh, so listeners the matrix episode is still coming um so stay tuned for that james you were able to see it in its 4k restored form i was not because it was only out for two days (laughs) Um, that's because you moved out of london it's your own fault yeah (laughs) um but yeah so our next episode will be on the matrix if you're enjoying the show then please do subscribe on itunes spotify or your podcast app of choice and you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe you can find more episodes of the show via facebook on twitter at cine underscore verse or send us an email to editorial at cinematic thanks for listening i will see you next week goodbye
Goodbye.